podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to horror and the horror lifestyle but not to worry this week is not tangentially related this week is there's no adjacency to the horror we're covering on the podcast this week this is a vintage new flesh new release double feature full stop horror edition we've got that's right that's right we've got talk to me an a24 I, I hesitate to call it an A24 movie only because, you know, I saw it at Sundance. And that was before A24 got their grubby little hands on it. I'm just kidding. We love we love A24. Um, they added all that neon lighting. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, they added. They elevated. Rachel Sennett they, is in it for some reason. <laughs> they elevated it is what they did. Yes, they bought yes, it and true. it was they, instantly they just, elevated. They lifted it up just as they always do. Yeah, it went from. A I, don't know, horror- I don't know why I'm making fun of A24 either. I love them. We love them, but they took this regular horror movie, Jesse, and they bought it, and then now it's elevated. It's an elevated yes, horror film. That's it true. is called Talk to Me. Um, I hesitate. I hesitate to say it's A24 because one of the things like that's stuck in my craw about it is that I feel like. Well, I, I think this has been disproven by it opening very well. Right, it opened to ten million dollars, which is relatively good considering it, it's a four point five million dollar movie. And it's an A24 release, and I think their biggest previous opening weekend was what, 13 with Hereditary? Or did Everything yeah. Everywhere beat that? I forget if everyone, everyone ever might have beaten it, but like, it's definitely outside. When I saw predictions for this movie, I saw they were like, oh, it, it was will open to five or six, yes. and, and that'll be fine. So it's, you know, it's, yeah. it does seem like a big it deal. It overperformed, and I'm, A24 did their thing, they marketed it, they used their marketing arm, which like they're very good at. But they're very yes. good at marketing a, sp- a specific type of thing that people are expecting from them. And I w- in one, when I walked out of this, or I, I didn't walk out of anything. I watched it at home on my laptop at first before I saw it in the theater. But my first thought was like, I can't wait. I hope like a re- like like Universal buys this. Or uh-huh. uh, I may have mentioned this in the podcast last week that I've heard some rumors about stuff that happened with Monkey Paw on this and like Fox Searchlight wanted it, et cetera, or not Fox, Searchlight Pictures or whatever. The Barbarian right. people. Uh, yes. the, the Disney-owned horror arm is what that is now to me. Um, but it went with A24, and I was worried about its box office prospects, thinking that they didn't have the, the juice to make it like appeal to the masses the way that Universal may have with a marketing campaign or something. But it seems to have worked, so I'll bite my tongue about it. But we're talking about talk, it's a long, long, very long intro to say we're talking talk to me a new it's wide right is it wide like as wide i think it's yeah it's in like a two it's about two thousand theaters it's like a not the widest possible because i'm sure there are a lot of screens being taken up but yeah it's on it's on like 1900 2000 screens something like that so we're talking talk to me which you can see in theaters now via a24 and you should uh jesse may disagree which is interesting i'm excited to talk about that 
Uh, and then I think Jesse and I can both agree about Disney's Haunted Mansion, a.k.a. Drop the The It's Cleaner edition, <laughs> Haunted Mansion. We both saw that. I'm fascinated to hear how Jesse saw it because I know he was out of town and may have been uh, perusing drive throughs uh, He may have seen it that way. Uh, my co-host, of course, is Jesse Hassinger at Rock Maroon on Twitter. I forget if I've introduced myself. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Uh, let's not leave the people in suspense, Jesse. How did you see Haunted Mansion? I actually, this is very, this is much less interesting. I did go to the drive-in, but I did not see Haunted Mansion at the drive-in. Um, <gasps> I saw it at the mall in way, way upstate New York, uh, where if you, uh, I was in a place in upstate New York where if you search for nearby movie theaters, you get one mall in New York, the town of Watertown, and then two more in Canada. <laughs> That's how far upstate wow. I was. The, Jesus. The second closest, the third closest theater, if you count the drive-in, the third closest theater was a Canadian movie theater. Um, but I did see it here in the U.S. of A., just at a mall. It's the same place I saw Bullet Train last year when it, it wasn't at been, the drive-in. Could you at least, I'm going to edit this out. Can you say that you drove to Canada to see it? Yeah, <laughs> that would be a funnier. Story. I, a funnier, yeah, it would be a funny. I, I went all the way. I just had to see it on on Canadian soil. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like the. <laughs> yeah, I, I did go. I saw Barbie again at the drive-in, and if it had been a Barbie haunted mansion double feature, I would have done that. But they were both the first feature, so uh, tickets I, were I sold out that. for Barbie, though, right? So you had to go see that in Mexico. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was just all over the place, just up and down the coast of. Uh, the coast up and down the cross cross uh, going on cross country trips just to make it to the right drive-in and but i uh, did manage to see haunted mansion while on vacation with my family so i'm gonna I, call I you i'm gonna call you cedric bixler zavala this week because you saw some movies at the drive-in <laughs> that's a deep cut get away yeah, yeah. <laughs> three three people might enjoy that but they're they're all gonna tweet at me about it yeah and, yeah. and i appreciate that um so I've done some housekeeping, Jesse. I wanted to run some things by you. I okay. think I have a new name for the Fleshheads. I okay. think we might retire Fleshheads, but only if you approve of this. Are you ready? Okay. What about the Fleshlights? <laughs> pass. No. You're going you're gonna to pass? It. <laughs> because the fans are the light of our lives, yeah. be besides <laughs> our wives and pets and <laughs> children, present or future. Uh, um, and they provide us with such pleasure. You don't like this? You don't <laughs> like where this is going? I don't I don't like where this is All going. All right. Now. Well, I guess we'll try again next week. This is another <laughs> this is a new An segment project. Yeah. yeah, where we try to name the fleshheads. If you have a suggestion, fleshheads, get out there. Or if you want to stay fleshhead, you can tell me that too. Um yeah. This is just one new segment that I'm adding this week. There's another new segment I'm adding that we'll get to in just a minute when we do bits and pieces, but I will say we have a saw x anticipation um, segment that I have concocted and I Ooh. think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, what other teases do I have for you this week oh I saw Jesse what has to be I shit you not I, I don't use this lightly I don't think I've ever said this on this maybe I've said I don't think I've ever said it, something this strong on this podcast I saw what might be the worst movie I've ever seen this week <laughs> that, that is out this week on Friday in a release way wider than you'd expect for how low budget straight to video this movie absolutely should be. It's like one of those things where I think we're living in a post terrifier Two world. <laughs> we're living in a post sound of freedom world. I guess that's kind of tangentially related, but like 
there's this idea that like well especially for horror if like uh winnie the pooh blood and honey kind of proved this it doesn't matter how shitty your horror movie is if you market it right and you throw it in some theaters you can make some money off of it so yes. like a movie that well i guess i was teasing it on twitter because i want people to listen to the show but people are listening to the show right now so i'll tell them um the embargo went up 10 20 minutes ago actually <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, it's a movie called Till Death Do Us Part. Uh-huh. It has, unfor- I, I hope he's not listening, a uh, friend of the show, Jeffrey Reddick, the creator of Final Destination. His name is oh, on this cool. movie. I think that he might, just to put his name on it to help somebody, I hope that's true because it's, it's such a bad so movie, his name Because <laughs> it would be funny if you were talking about the director credit. I think he just put his name on oh, it. Oh, no, 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 no. His name's <laughs> like, I think, I think he's just a producer, executive right, right, producer, right. something. But, like, it's definitely being touted as the creator of Final Destination on the cover, which is, like, I think the whole point of his involvement. Maybe I'm wrong. But, Jesse, you know who stars in this movie? Uh, Cam Jigigandit? Cam Jigigandit. <laughs> I, I don't know. I never know how to pronounce it. I never looked. I still haven't. But he's in it. And I don't want to waste too much time on it, But and I don't want to make you watch it, because it is, like, just violently awful. And it's almost two hours long. It is... It's just people. It's a movie that doesn't reveal what the like the what it's doing. Like it has like a something's going on here, but we're not going to tell you what it is, and you're just going to be confused about the circumstances. We're going to vaguely talk around them for an hour and forty, and then you get ten minutes of what it actually is. And what it actually is is like the most stupid generic version possible of what it's doing. I wow. don't want to. It's just unbelievably bad. So if you if you saw a trailer which actually played before, um. What did we see last? What did I see last week in a the? Oh, talk to me, talk to oh, me, okay. at the A twenty or a, uh, AMC early access. Uh-huh. They had trailers, and that trailer played, and everyone was like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, it has like a ready or uh, ready or not clone look, where it's like a bride okay. fighting off some sort of a bunch of groomsmen. The trailer made it seem like it was like Scott Pilgrimy. Where it's like okay. she, someone's got to fight her. She's got to fight all of her exes or something. But it's yeah, much yeah. stupider than that. <laughs> and it, I, I just can't speak enough to how bad it is. So maybe bonus fodder if you do end up watching it. But otherwise, just a kind of a warning that that movie's coming out and it's really bad. And I'm sorry. I, you to, know, can yeah, I, go ahead. Can I tell you, I completely, uh, that was a blind guess when you said who's in it. Like I really had never heard of this, and I had no. Are you idea serious? That that Cam was in it. No. Oh, he's the lead. True. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I I because I feel like I, I actually thought it was probably not true because I feel like I got emails about three other movies that he was starring in this summer. So I was like, well, no, this is not going to be like a a fourth one with him. But uh, I guess I was wrong. Uh, so that I just wanted I just wanted credit for my insane guess being being correct. <laughs> That is absolutely hilarious. I'm excited to talk about it on Roger and Me, so check that out uh, on Friday for a full review. Mark just dropped his review. I'm on, I'm on Mark's Patreon, so I got early access. And he gave it a very generous one star. I really think I really think he should have that's, dropped it to the half. I, I'm gonna. The, I love when I love when a one star review is described as generous. That's it is, always a great. That's great. One. Yeah. I I have. I, I am excited to get uh, end this podcast and get on Letterboxd and log that half a star review very proudly. It is it is just the worst. So there you go. Sorry to past guest and definitely uh, presumably not future guest anymore. Um, uh, Redick, if he maybe he'll have a sense of humor about it and agree it's a piece of shit. I don't know. It was horrible. Um, 
I'm not going to name the actual people involved in that movie because I don't have their names here and it's not worth mentioning. If you check their credits, it's all like bottom of the barrel, straight to video, gas station DVD garbage. <laughs> um, anyway, anything to say before we get to the bits and the pieces of No, news? I'm excited. I haven't talked to many people outside of my family in many days so i'm excited to get to the bits and pieces and talk what's about going on in the ha- in the passenger household what's the <laughs> what's the topic du jour uh, i mean i so much i mean it's uh, i just was i spent a bunch of days uh in way upstate new york with my extended family and i haven't hadn't seen them in a while so i was hanging out with my cousins i took a bunch of my cousins to see barbie uh nice. really i should say marissa took took them because i don't drive um, we were at the drive-in. You were also <laughs> taken to Barbie. Yes, I was also taken the dr- to to Barbie <laughs> along with my some of my other cousins. Um, you know, we were just catch- we just did a lot of catching up. You know, so there was not a lot of one thing we did not all talk about a lot was horror news. So I'm very excited to talk about horror news. Oh, good. I have some. Let me pull it up. Uh, I, let's start pre horror news with some general uh, uh, industry stuff. Like strike stuff and box office stuff is our new first stop. I keep getting feedback. We got actually got a nice new review, whoever that was. Thank you so much. That always that mentioned they love when we talk box office and industry. Really? Wow. Oh yeah. That's a, so I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pleasantly see, surprised. I, I don't know say. who it was. Maybe it was my mother who wrote that <laughs> review. I don't know. She's like, I love hearing about the industry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it, that's what it was. They were like, they face out. They sound so well-informed. I'm like, I guess so. Oh, I no. <laughs> I just read stuff online all the time. I'm not like I'm, I'm not like in Hollywood. I'm not like my – Jesse and I actually do record in the, in, the, in the O of the Hollywood side. Yes. I don't know I'm if just, a lot of people yeah. know that. <laughs> That's what all the noise is from. It's not actually – Yeah, from, it's uh, mostly hikers, from my end. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah very strange. <laughs> um, okay, so Friday of this past weekend, uh, the way the Hollywood Reporter said it was like the dominoes started falling. As Sony made a bunch of moves uh, to their theatrical calendar amid the writer's strike. They're blaming the writer's strike. And I think that's fair for some of it, maybe. But they one of the, the biggest ticket delay is beyond the Spider-Verse. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, promised in the end credits of, of across, uh, across the Spider-Verse as coming at a certain time. Does, I, don't th- th- I don't think they have a date on it in the, okay. in the credits. Okay, cool. I was going to say, that would be a particularly egregious. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it just said coming soon or Spider-Man will return and whatever. So yeah, what. yeah. Um, but that movie has been pushed off of its spring 2024 date. And notably, unlike some other movies we're going to mention in a second, not dated. It was yes. not put on the calendar. Which to me, kind of like their poker, like their their hand is called. Uh, yeah. Because the whole... P- if there was a strike thing, I think they would have a date. It seems more like a what everybody, what every animator's been screaming since the movie came out, which is that there's no possible way they're going to make the date yes. uh, for Beyond the Spider Verse because um, I think it was Haley Steinfeld, maybe it was a bunch of people, but I think her in the press talking about how up to the last very fucking second they were working on this one yeah. that just came out. Um, so, do you you agree with all this theorizing? Oh, for sure. I don't. There's no way this was going to be delayed, no matter what. This, um, they, I mean, they people for the production were talking about how they like, essentially, apart from some design stuff that was left over from the working on the first movie and and having cracked most of the movie's story, they basically hadn't started making this movie yet. So like, that doesn't ridiculous, ridiculous for them to don't have a don't have an eight month turnaround. Yeah, what were they? I mean, it's what were they thinking? The answer is obviously just like 
crap, greed, make it, whatever, get it done. But well, like, and also probably yeah. the, it's so it seems so important now for studios to call the dates that they even they call dates for stuff that doesn't exist. You know, you can look at the the release calendar and see there'll be you'll see ghosts of these things. How yeah. like sometimes like like, like, oh, like Blue um, Beetle next month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not real. They never, they never made that. That is not uh, real. I'm not convinced. I'm very convinced. I just of I saw some real. test footage in front of another movie, but that's all. Um, <laughs> I I mean they that's ridiculous. George Lopez in a superhero movie ridiculous. Um, <laughs> does he have some kind of thing? Some kind of contract that his hair has to be wacky now? Is that so? Oh, I haven't seen, seen the trailer. In, now I'm googling. In, in the trailer and in like the commercials for his sitcom, his hair is just all over the place. I'm like, I don't understand. Why. I don't. I, maybe anyway. he doesn't like getting haircuts. Maybe he's just yeah, like this maybe is. A, just like, I'm showing I'm, up with the mop, and you got to deal. Yeah, with it. this is this is me now, guys. Get used to it. No, the song I think from that, Greatest Showman starts playing. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a bearded lady. So the bearded Lopez. <laughs> um, the uh, no, the, I do think that the. Um, the like it, some of it is just wanting to call your shot and say because you can say like you can sometimes find uh you know look at the release calendar and say oh look in in a month uh sorry that's a really fucking loud siren sorry uh <laughs> it's um, such a part of the show to me that i just laugh <laughs> every time it happens i love it um my sound my sound booth is not working um <laughs> the, you, you'll sometimes see stuff that'll be like four weeks out and you'll you look at a certain release calendars where they'll be like untitled paramount event film you know like oh that's right. coming out next month like they clearly call these dates just to have them and they're not going to move stuff until they really need to so i think that was part of it and i think yeah you think you're right part of it was also probably like we'll just force them to finish it really fast um and they just it's one of we'll those things just where break labor laws it's fine. yeah yeah exactly the studio seemed to seem to almost have the impression that they were making these movies back to back even though they must have known that that was not actually the case yeah they're i just like I, we yeah, Maybe it was great. the creators, like, getting ahead of their skis and telling the studio, yeah, we're doing both right now. Don't worry about yeah. it. And the reality yeah. was, we just made one. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. No, that I don't think that movie's coming before 2025, regardless of anything. Uh, but, uh, you know. I mean, they, the animators they, aren't striking, right? So they, they're... they're uh, they can work on it, but, like, they can't finish doing the voice. It just seems like they haven't... Uh, do you yeah. believe... Do you believe when they say... You know, we can't have the voice actors come in on this movie because of the strike. Don't you think, like, if they're working on it, they're, like, fibbing it and, like, doing it still? Or do you really believe that they are hardened? I think it's a case by case, I'm sure. What, but, in like, terms of you getting just a voice like, actor strike, to come in? Yeah, like, voice acting or just, like, when product. I feel like when the other strike happened and, like, the writer strike, but the SAG strike wasn't happening. So, like, right. actors were filming. Yes. And they'd be like, oh, uh, no writing's allowed, no punching up. Whatever the yeah. script is is what it is. Like I do not believe that they did that. Like I just I I, yeah, I think I they know. probably. I mean, it's interesting because there are a lot of movies in in oh eight oh nine that we now refer to as like oh well that was a strike movie and that kind of explains why it was such a mess. Yes. Uh, although there's been plenty of messes before and after. So, but I do think uh, there are probably with writing especially. Like I mean, like per the WGA, like ad libs count. So actors yes. are not supposed to. You know, like, they were talking about how, like, Deadpool, like, is filming, but they, like, can't do ad-libs because that constitutes rewriting. Well, the movie's fucked! That's the yeah. whole thing! <laughs> we love well, the... I mean, they better write Chimichanga into that script, or else the movie's <laughs> not gonna work. Yeah, they, oh, we forgot to write it. Uh, no, I mean, I think what what um, what a friend of mine pointed out, and I think is probably true, is why one of the reasons I bet they kept going even after the strike. Now they can't because of the actor strike, so they might be fucked anyway. But they probably figure... 
I forget if I said this on a previous episode, and my friend Nathaniel pointed this out to me. I didn't even think about this. They probably figure, well, Deadpool, he's in a mask. Like, if we want to do alternate oh, clips yeah. later, you you know, we wait, we hope the strike is over. It'll he's the merc the, the... with the CGI mouth. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't, they don't show his mouth, so like you, you just, you know, there's probably a lot of leeway you can do in terms of dubbing in jokes. It's gonna, it might look clunky. Because, Ryan, like, shoot a head tilt right, left, yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> we want all the angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look at the camera a bunch. Okay, and we're done. <laughs> yeah, um, look at the camera so like, a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> I think that like there's probably is some leeway, but I'm sure. I mean, like. If you're following to the letter of it, you really aren't even. So, I mean, actors like don't even if you're not doing the Apatow style lineorama or whatever. A- actors still change wording sometimes. Like they sometimes say it differently because it felt different in the moment, or it's trying may trying to make it sound more natural. You could type this shit, George, but it, you can't say it. <laughs> uh, right. The famous Harrison Ford uh, admonishment, playful, I think, of George Lucas. Uh, so yes. it's it's really hard when you're shooting a movie to say, oh, well, we completely stuck to the Writers Guild thing because, like, you're really not supposed to change anything and stuff does get changed. And I think probably there is a little bit of a polite, like, let's not mention this. Let's yeah, just not make exactly. it too egregious. All like, I'm getting at is there's a lot of unspoken. I mean, a lot of people who work in the industry know this and dorks like us who talk about movies all the time know this. But, like, these movies are tinkered with t- constantly up until the yeah. last second yeah. <laughs> all the time it's like the way the industry works now with the big movies yeah. so like it just it, if they're working on stuff it, if if they have to like draw lines like that like now it's kind of easier with the sag and D- wga together because you can really not do anything yeah you know but like when it was like wga was striking but sag wasn't and they're like well we're filming but we can't do improv like it just i just don't believe that that's what's going on like yeah. people are the, the the actors are improving and just not saying they are and yeah. like not getting right or i think to some degree yeah. that must be right because like when do you ever not change a word of the script yeah unless it's Aaron, completely unless ludicrous over your shoulder being <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, uh. it's ludicrous to think yeah people maybe people think there's like st- st- hollywood execs in suits standing around making sure that doesn't happen it's like no that's no. not what's happening on a film yeah. set. Well, yeah, and the SAG thing does make it more clear cut. Like, I, I was thinking about, like, okay, so how do you how do you make a movie where it's just directing but no acting or writing? Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the W the DGA is free to do whatever. Yeah. They uh, can direct to their heart's content. Anyway, I think, the, is that yeah. why Greta Gerwig was allowed to show up at AMC Lincoln Square and tell people she's excited to be they're there for Barbie? Like, people yeah, were. I, th- I think some I, people were like scoffing at that, which is like fair, whatever, maybe. I but, mean, like, she directed the movie. She's yeah, allowed I, to I promote feel, it, and also place. like. You know how much wild promotion they got out of her appearing Showing before up a crowd that already who, paid. Yeah. Chicken. yeah, like come on. Um, I think that is the idea, though. That as the director, I mean, because there are director interviews that are going on sometimes, and, and you know, the, when it was just the writers before the SAG was involved, um, there were like, you know, I think there was a Barbie event where Bombach didn't show up because he was just a writer on the movie, but Gerwig did as the director. Um, so I think there are weird technicalities like that. I mean, I feel like you're talking about the spirit rather than the letter, you know? Like, is, exactly. is, is, is like is Barbie the movie where they did 90% of the publicity already before the strike, before at least before the actor strike was called? Like, really, is that really making the difference? Like, that, that Greta Gerwig does, like, a couple more promotional appearances the week of release? No, it's not. Like, it's, you know. Oh, yeah, but you can certainly find a contingent of annoying people on Twitter who are pissed off. About oh, it. yeah, for sure. I had to, like, unfollow <laughs> someone because I, she was like, she's disgusting. You know, she's just like, such a fucking up. idiot. I was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greta Gerwig always. Just, like, completely nauseous. earnestly <laughs> delighted to be seeing a crowd at her movie. Just, like, yeah. like 
she's disgusting. Like, shut if up. you made direct, if you made nights and weekends, you would never assume that you were going to be addressing a sold out crowd, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, if you starred in, um, what's that? Oh, God, I would be much better if I had the title handy. Baghead, Tana no, takes the, the stairs. <laughs> the Frownland guy's wife made it. Oh, Mary Bronstein, know. Yeast. If you starred in Yeast, have you not seen Yeast? <laughs> it's a weird movie. One of the I weirdest see, I indies seen it, I've no. seen. To I've put seen that a, on your list, you I, might I actually will, like I, that movie. I, I've seen a lot of Gerwig indies, but not that one. That's a 2008 very indie. Um, Ronald Bronstein ended up. He directed that movie Frownland. I think that's his only movie, and then he's Safdie's editors oh, since okay. Heaven Knows What, or actually since Daddy Long Legs. So oh, he's done okay. all their movies, I think. Um, but yeah, check out Yeast. If you're if, if if Amazon like if you like this, check out that. If you like Barbie, check out <laughs> Yeast. <laughs> it's very similar. Anyway, strike stuff, um, delay stuff. Spider Man. That's where we were. This episode's yes. gonna be long. I am yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> Other stuff they moved. Very strange move, Gran Turismo. Have you got Have you gotten wind of what's going on here? Yes, it's a Gran Turismo is where they they pushed it back two weeks and are doing. They were already planning on doing a bunch of sneak previews, but now they're going to yes. do a bunch of weekend sneak previews on the weekend it was going to come out and the weekend after it was going to come out, and then it'll finally come out for real on the um the the following uh, the the, 20, so the weekend of the twenty fifth. Is this them saving? like money on theatrical like I, i'm confused by i think it's a smart move in a way but i'm also like what's the fucking difference if your movie is screening constantly for two weeks and then comes out like right. it's it's it essentially silly. out if you can see it's it at certain out. times yeah yeah it's uh, basically like they're calling it out but they're saying are they just is it like I, I, and again to say cynical me says this is strike has nothing to do with any of this they say it's because the actors can't promote the movies but the audience can yeah. and they should go to the sneak previews and then word of mouth i mean they are very bullish on this movie um yeah. they do think it's good i know the test screenings have been strong i keep hearing you see if you go on letterbox you'll find tons of very positive reviews people comparing it to ford ferrari and shit wow um, that seems Wow. Yeah, it's a Neil Blanc. <laughs> a it's a Neil, Neil Blanc movie. Just it's like a Neil Blanc movie. Yeah. Yes, if for um, people who are unaware, but it's it's a release strategy that they. I feel like that they're using that thing to say it's a strike thing because the actors can't promote it, and now the audience can't. Blah blah. blah. But again, is it Oppenheimer and Barbie are crushing? Let's give them some more runway. Yeah, and let's I open think later. it probably is more that because like they knew. I mean, like the strike's been going on for a couple weeks, and this movie. It does not have, like, massive... They were like, oh, well, without David Harbour and Orlando Bloom doing press, I'm like, oh, okay, do they... You need, you need the and crucial the... Orlando Bloom contingent, <laughs> to, you know? And I mean, you, the press yeah. screening is... They sent it out already. Like, it's the 7th, and they haven't said it's not going to be them. So well, I wonder... well, you're having paid sneaks. It makes sense. Like, it's going to be available, so you might as well keep the press screening. I'm not, I can't go because I'm going to see Carly Rae Jepsen. Thank you very much. Nice. Um, so very I'll just nice. pro I'll probably go to one of those sneak previews just because uh, it's a way to see. There's actually an investor screening on Wednesday of this week. Oh, um, really? On two yeah, I was going to go, but now I am seeing something else that i are you, going to, are you going to oh you're going yeah, so you're not, i'm going to i was gonna to go to passages although like i don't really i like, like that a lot at oh really Sundance. is it good i never it's really great. i haven't yeah. really liked any of his other movies anyway that's not for eight. i don't know if i've really. seen any other iris Sachs movies but i did oh, okay. enjoy passages uh, okay. i like i like the people in it and stuff like that okay cool it's it's uh, good and it's 
it definitely i think it got an nc-17 and I, i'm like yeah sure yeah no that very, honestly that 100 that uh it raised my interest more just because so i mean i don't think it's going out with one because they're doing the unrated thing but i was just like okay uh, respect they yeah. got they, they got the nc-17 respect um yeah. maybe it's the next infinity pool um <laughs> Yeah, but I do think that some of it's probably. I think, and I, I think it's kind of an interesting thing to try out. Like, yeah, I bet this movie didn't have a lot of traction in ter- Gran Turismo in terms of like. Well, now you get some free headlines, right? Right. Like, it seems like a, like oh, that's trying something at least. And I'm sure this was not going to be a you know, massive massive movie either way. And I'm also sure that like the the David Harbor promotional push would not make the huge difference there. So I think that's an interesting. Yeah, thing to try I mean, out. did he? We all we, we all remember Hellboy, right? And how big a hit that was. What David Harbour <laughs> did. He did. I mean, Violent Night did very well, and he was really. Oh, that's the, right. He was really front of movie. You know, that was like really. That was, was sold, a that movie fluke. Was that could have. That could have. I, I. I mean, you're right, objectively, but in my mind, I'm like that movie was sold on. It's a Christmas. It's Christmas time, and there's a Santa movie. Yeah, I think yeah, it could have no. been anybody. I probably but could have, but it probably was like bad. some kind of value add to say, oh yeah, it's the guy from Stranger well, Things. That's funny. I, 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 it's one of those things where like I have such a cultural blind spot to certain things, and like Netflix, a lot of it is Netflix, and Stranger Things is a big one. So like to yeah. me, David Harbour's like, and fuck, I'm like David Harbour's like <laughs> yeah. a selling point. Like yeah, what do you yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still because he's not even the main guy on Stranger Things. Like the main guys on Stranger Things are kids, so it's it is yeah, isn't kinda... he like the goofy sheriff or something? Yes, on that he show? is. And he's you know pretty fun on most of the show, but I do I, I do think it's I think that show is so big that I do legit think everyone in it has at least a little bit of a a bounce from it, even though they're not none of them can like open movies on their own. But I feel like all of them, pretty much everyone who has more than a more than a micro part on that show, has a little bit of a like oh Stranger Things guy, <laughs> you know like yes. But anyway, uh, right. no the one that what feels like it's an actual strike delay because it just feels like it's shooting the movie in the foot. Or maybe in the side, the stomach <laughs> is uh, Craven the Hunter. Did you say uh, that because he's ripped on the yeah. poster? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and like that, what I and I get that must be a strike because I think the idea is they probably wanted to blanket the world with like Aaron Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson appearances and reviews because they're probably selling this movie a lot on him. But that just feels like just tr- I would just tr- if I were them I would yeah, just tr- another try one it anyway. where I'm like, like <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson sure an actor that if you saw him in a movie you'd be like oh I've seen that guy what's he from and you yeah. wouldn't get it yeah. you wouldn't know what it was right and eventually someone would be like oh he's a kid from Kickass uh, yeah. or whatever yeah. um but like you selling you saying it's so so funny I'm like who cares if Aaron Taylor Johnson's on Jimmy Fallon like right. it just like I, uh, it means yeah. nothing to to me but like yeah. maybe that really does sell tickets it's one of those things we go. Coke doesn't need ads. I'm going to go buy a Coke anyway. And then I go yeah. see a Coke ad and I actually go buy one. And I'm right, like, okay, right. no. Does, Advertising does works. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does help. Uh, but I would. I am surprised that they're delaying it like a full year almost. J- Is like, that what happened? Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm reading this article now. It will open wide on... Oh, that's a different one. Uh, yeah. Craig is going to August 2024. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. From it was coming out in October. Yes. So this is like a COVID era delay. Yes. Uh, style delay. This and then is they a, dated. We don't know when this is going to be over. Type of delay. <laughs> Jesus. And then Bad Boys Four is June 14th, 2024, and Venom Three presumably also pushed back a bit. Yeah. Whatever date it had, July 12th, 2024. Sony's the first studio to make these changes as a result of the strike, quote unquote. Um, yeah. Wild, wild stuff. Craven the Hunter is an R-rated Venom-style thing. I wonder if that'll work as well as Venom. Probably slightly less, but probably will still work fine. Uh, they also have a Karate Kid movie that they moved from June 2024 to December. Yeah. But they haven't even announced the filmmaker for that. So 
uh, guess that's not gonna happen. You know what's wild? I'm pretty yeah. sure, unless I'm unless I'm missing something. October sixth, which was the Craven the Hunter date, and may, this may change, but currently now has no wide releases. Seriously, the first, the first weekend in October, at least according oh, yeah. to the the release schedule on the numbers that I use, because I think Craven was the only one, and then no one's moved into that right now. So you just have it's Killers of the Flower, Flower Moon comes out limited, and it comes it's, out wide a couple uh, weeks later. It's so frustrating. Too bad audiences have shown that they hate horror movies and don't yeah. want any. <laughs> right. It would be a well, horrible thing if they put a horror movie out there. Right. Right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I mean, someone. I wonder if some enterprising studio will say, "Hey, we're going to put this out either earlier or you know something like they." they I'm still. They, if they'll move Exorcist up a little or something, I don't know. Yeah, I'm still. Oh, I see that Exorcist 2023 re-release 50th anniversary is coming out October 1st. Oh, so uh, maybe they'll okay. do that wider than they should because there's nothing yeah. happening. Um, and that worked last time they did it. Remember the re-release? Yeah, yeah that was a was big 2000? hit. It was a hit. Yeah. That was, God, 23 years ago. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> All right, moving on. That was a big bit and piece. I wanted to harp on uh, box office stuff for a second. Barbenheimer second weekend, crazy numbers. We don't have to get into all that stuff. Oh, Patreon. Jesse and I did Barbie. We ended up talking about it for an hour. So that was last week's episode. This week's Patreon will be Oppenheimer. And uh, we'll see if we can stretch it out even further than that somehow. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to see this Oppenheimer again still. I haven't, but I'm hoping to. Uh, we'll talk about Haunted Mansion box office maybe later. I wanted to mention Sound of Freedom just because it really is this crazy like greatest showman-esque phenomenon or like it's weirder than that because it's an indie movie that's you know arguably conservative clickbait cinema whatever you want to call it um it's just it it, i want to just make clear that both things can be true right where this movie is a genuine phenomenon that is making a ton of like money people are seeing it it's a hit people like it clearly and, like, that exists and is real. And it's also true that this movie's doing an unprecedented box office accounting trick that is, like, akin to what politicians do, what mostly GOP politicians, but I think I'm sure other ones, too. But, like, what, where they their super PAC will buy a, a pallet of their book, and then the right, book right. becomes number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and then that perpetuates more book sales, etc. The movie Sound of Freedom, if you're not aware... The studio that made it, Angel Studios, has instituted a pay-it-forward program that we've made fun of on the pod already where a QR code comes up at the end of the movie and says, Take, you know, open this website and buy a ticket for somebody else to see this movie because it's very important to raise awareness for this very important movie and child trafficking, etc. Um, and regardless of what fraction of those tickets that are bought for other people actually get redeemed, that is all money in the pocket for the yes. people that made the movie. And that is all the money that's getting reported in the box office. So it definitely, definitely is a run that should have an asterisk by it for me that says like, it made all this money, but this much money of it was from, I wish I could know the percentage of right. how much came from the pay it forward system. Of course, they're not going to tell us um, how many people, how many empty screenings it's screened to. Like I've yeah. heard reports of that and I believe them. And I've heard reports that have sold out and are genuinely sold out. And I, I saw it in Manhattan. I've seen it. It's real. So, like, both things can be true. People that are conspiracy theorizing on both sides are nuts. 
and it's perfect that this movie is drawing out all the nuts. It's just perfect. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would. Do you, you know, have anything to say about any? Well, of this? I would just say it's like you know, it's akin. I'm not saying this to defend the the movie or the practice. I haven't seen the movie, and it seems weird. Um, and <laughs> it's the, just uh, not very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the practice is definitely sketchy. The kind of like, oh, you're doing charity by by, <laughs> you're making a difference by buying a movie ticket. That's so sketchy. Uh, but it's sort of akin to. The IMAX thing, where like movies that have a ton of large format theaters make more money because you can charge more for a ticket. Like that affects the total. You're not talking about tickets sold, you're talking about dollars. So Sound of Freedom is essentially convincing some people to play to pay double to see it, right? Like yes. <laughs> and like which is, you know, I guess if you can trick people the same way you can convince people they need to see something in the RPX screen that costs twenty eight dollars instead of the regular screen that costs eighteen dollars. Yeah. Then I guess I guess more power to you. I don't want more power to any of these people to be to be clear. But <laughs> Less power, please. I, I do think it's like that. That sort of to me encapsulates like why it's it both like you said both things are true. It is goosed by those numbers, but it is also a hit movie. So like the same way that an, a movie that has a lot like I'm sure Oppenheimer, the fact that Oppenheimer made a ton of money on its second weekend, some of that is because it sold the shit out of a lot of IMAX screens. And like that yes. helps boost the you know what might have been a you know thirty eight million dollar weekend becomes a forty six million dollar weekend, which is not you know it's not wrong that movies do that all the time, but it is it's it is a little bit of an asterisk. I mean, like I, I think we don't apply those asterisks to these IMAX heavy or pre, large, large format heavy uh, movies because we sort of as movie people we understand like well yeah of course you want to see yes. an IMAX <laughs> yeah yes. uh, yeah we, it's we, like we, you understand that's added in that value yeah, yeah. I and think we so. don't you less understand this weird practice of like oh yeah of course people scan the QR codes and bought extra oh, tickets <laughs> it's gene it's a genius I mean not to lose per, perhaps the three Republicans listening to this podcast <laughs> that exist or something but like these people who are susceptible to the like the right wing talking points who will go see this movie. And yeah. deem it important for no reason, and yeah. line these line these fucking grifters' pockets with money for like the money's not going to child trafficking. Right. Your money's to stop it. Your money's going to the people who made this movie, right? Who have nothing to do with that. And if you look into the movie, all the it's just like the whole thing's a grift, and like that's what the whole right wing politics are is a whole grift because these people are fucking stupid. I'm sorry, <laughs> they're very a fool and their money are uh, yes. you know. Whatever yes. the expression is, I'm yes. too dumb to know what it is. Yeah. So who who's the real fool? But I look forward to a few one star reviews coming yes. up that tell yes. me they it's a great podcast, but we get political and then yes. we, we lost yes. them. Yeah. All right, the real news of the week, Jesse. Saw X not just had the trailer release, which did you watch? I actually didn't because I've been out of you know since I've been out of town or out not online as much, thankfully. <laughs> Uh, but you're not opposed to watching, and you no, I probably will watch it like today. I should have done my due little diligence and watch it this morning as soon yeah, as but I could have done up. <laughs> my favorite segment where I don't watch something and then I say careful, but yeah, tell yeah. me about it. <laughs> exactly, um, but I will watch it at some point. I'm sure. I guess I, I mean, I'm, I'm of course avoiding it because it's what I do. But there's also a cool poster with the eyes. Yes, the yes, poster with the cool, eye tubes, cool. like the neon lights on the eyes, yeah. fluorescent lights or whatever. Um, and the trailer's out. It uh, had like a whole almost Comic-Con-esque debut at Midsummer Scream. It had a panel. Not only is Tobin Bell back. I don't know if we knew this, but we know it now, Jesse. Shawnee Smith is back. Yes. I think we did know. I think I did hear okay. this before. I'm excited, though. Yes. Amanda. So, yes. We knew that it took place between Saw 1 and Saw 2. But I like when I when I say it like that because of how 
fucked the timeline always is and like how f- they always do that. I like neglected to realize like, oh, they're doing a classic horror movie thing of doing a sequel to the original movie that is just kind of maybe not ignoring what comes after it, but they're just like, fuck it. We're doing a sequel to the original, uh, which I think is fun and interesting. Uh, so Tobin Bell back as Jigsaw. I already mentioned the plot details before. If you want to look, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who doesn't want to uh, hear about it. But it's Jigsaw and Amanda back at it again. <laughs> the, the, the the boys are back. <laughs> yes. Um, there's some just so many funny things because I had a panel debut. So it's like they're they're promoting it so heavily. They're like Saw is the long Saw X is the longest Saw movie, which to me is the opposite of a no, selling point. Yeah. No. Yeah. They should say. <laughs> If they wanted to sell more tickets, they just say it is the shortest one. You will be out in seventy minutes, and I would be like, <laughs> "Yes, I am fucking there." Um, we'll play the theme three times at least. Tickets. Yeah. Sold. Oh my god. Yeah, that would be the highest grossing one if they said seventy-five minutes. Theme plays three times. Tickets yeah. are available now. <laughs> it would be they would sell out. Yeah. Um, but that means Saw X is longer than an hour forty-eight because that's yeah. the longest one. Can you guess what the longest one was? Uh, I gotta say it's final chapter. Seven, Ooh, seven. it did. That's just because it feels like it's the longest <laughs> one. Um, that's probably one of the shorter ones, maybe. I think it's three. Three oh, is the it's longest. Three. Oh, three is yeah. really good. So three is one of the three best is ones. good. That that augurs well, I suppose. Uh, I like that the fact. That, so I I do like that that I think our our, our pal Lex G pointed this out on Twitter, as I'm sure other people did too. That all these movies moving. You know, we we're just talking about these release date shifts because of the strike. Saw X is like fuck it. We're gonna go earlier. We don't care. Yes. <laughs> we're not. We're not affected by this. This isn't something where we're gonna have Tobin Bell going on carpool karaoke. Like you know, we're just gonna we're gonna do it up a, a month earlier. It's kind of weird to have a Saw movie come out well before Halloween instead of like days before. You know what the plan clearly out. is? Have we mentioned this already? It seems like they wanted. Uh, premium vod by halloween right right that makes sense i i thought the other the alternate plan was that just given the kind of general uh you know i say this with affection shoddiness of the saw, saw uh productions they could just um I'm, i was like maybe because of the strike they're just gonna have saw 11 ready to go by the late october date you know <laughs> that like, would be so surprise funny, here's another one <laughs> how long do they take to shoot like 15 days come on yeah you can, get it. you can get it i feel like there was at least one we when we did the saw whole series on saw i feel like one of them we found out did shoot like July of that year. Like it came yes. out, <laughs> like, I feel like it came out like months after being after after the shoot was over. I feel like they should do it again. Give us some extra saw for the hollow for the Halloween season, and then I l- I'm loving yeah. I'm loving the rollout of all the saw stuff. Like they yeah. they released a still, and it was like here's Billy the puppet and Saw yeah. X, and it's like <laughs> yup. It's there. He, sure there is. he is. Yeah, <laughs> there, that, there he is on his little tricycle. Yeah, he's 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 here. He's back. Um, I'm loving it. The posters. I mean, I have such a nostalgia for the Saw posters because I worked at a movie theaters at the time, and I yeah. like always had them in my room. So, and they're all they're all gruesome and weird. Like I had like yeah. the, the hanging teeth for yeah, three yeah. in my room. I had the two fingers. Ones. Yeah, yep. the two fingers for two. And I think the X poster is awesome. Like it yeah. really makes me think. Oh, like Saw is back yeah, in a like way. This is just... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I think I talked to someone recently who said Spiral is like their favorite one. I'm like, you're out of your goddamn mind. Wow. wow. Um, <laughs> sorry to that person who might be listening. Love you. Um, but this definitely, like, to me, that was a misstep, and it was like this is like a spinoff that didn't work, and Jigsaw's not involved, and I, it just didn't work for other reasons too. And this poster perfectly embodies 
this is not, you know, fuck Spiral. We're yeah. back to <laughs> this is a Saw sequel. It just feels yeah. like it's back to what it was and not yeah. this new direction. And I'm yeah. assuming, Jesse, maybe it's just my Twitter bubble and my horror bubble. It feels like it's going to be really big to me. It does, but you know, I kind of, I always kind of assume that with the last two times that they brought it back, I'm like, well, this will do well. People love, didn't you know, it? it? And it probably did. Did it not? Spiral didn't do that well, but it also came out. Oh, the ones before that though, like yeah. uh, Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Jigsaw did okay. Oh, you're right. It didn't do that well. Yeah, uh, and huh. even Seven. It's been a while since there's been a big hit Saw movie. But there's been a, it's been a while since there was one that just had like a number. I feel yeah, like. yeah, it's true. This is just like they they do kind of feel like they're just saying, "Hey, look, this is just the saw." Remember, you remember. remember when? Yeah, remember when you would go see Saw with your cousin yeah. before you were allowed to <laughs> buy tickets to R-rated movies every year in October? Do that again. Let's yeah. call your cousin. Yeah, see if he's around. <laughs> call your Get cousin. call your cousin like and call your wife so she can drive you to the to yeah. the thing, <laughs> and then go see Saw. Call your nev- dirtbag friends. Call I'll never forget. Yeah, I'll never forget seeing. I, for- I mean, I, I guess I forgot which one. It's probably two or three, maybe. But I, it was before I was of age to go see them by myself. But I always went with my cousin, who was of age, I think. Um, but we always went. I think my dad would go buy tickets and just send us in, you know, and hope that it worked out. Uh-huh. And I remember. Uh, it's funny because I would end up working at this theater years later, and I knew this manager later. But a manager came in, and we like had our feet up, sitting on the rail in the front row, uh-huh. and he came up to us before the movie started, and I was like, "Fuck, we're fucked. We're getting kicked out." <laughs> we're being, and he just goes, made. "Yeah," and he just goes, "Please take your feet off that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, no problem. Like, what else can I? What else can I do for you? <laughs> you want me to like clean the theater? Like I'll do whatever." Um, it was awesome. He didn't care. I, I, that guy's awesome. Shout out to, I think his name was Greg, manager Greg, cool guy. Um, saw X, very excited. The other thing that they said to hype it up was that it scored so well in test screenings, the producers thought the screenings were rigged, <laughs> which, which is so funny. Someone quote tweeted it saying, crying at them, seeing positive reactions and going, no, that's not right. <laughs> that can't possibly be right. They're, well, they, they, the curtain pulled back on the screening and you, and you hear the voice come over the loudspeaker, you know, producers of Saw. You thought you made you thought you made a crowd-pleasing horror film. Yeah, it was it was all phony. They were all in traps. They were. It's not. I agree with them. I don't think it was true. I'm I just, agree. It seems weird to me that they test. I had no idea that they test screened these movies because, again, I was under the impression that they com- that the, they delivered the prints wet to the theaters. You know, fifteen <laughs> minutes before the midnight show, wet, <laughs> still being struck. Yeah. It somehow gets wet. I don't know. Yeah, it's the process. Um, <laughs> all right, I have a new segment. This is called. This would work better if we were a visual medium show and had like a on-screen text. This section is called. Costas Manda Lore, L O R E. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Costas yeah. Mandalore. And it's just going to be a fun fact about uh, Costas Mandalore every week until the movie comes out. Because we're really, thank you. We're really hoping he's in it. So here's the first one Did you know that in 1991, in July 18th, July 18th, 1991, uh, months before I was born, Costas Mandalore was chosen by People Magazine as one of the 50 most beautiful people in the world. <laughs> I have the blurb pulled up. Please. I found the archive.org uh, website works, and I found it. Um, and it says, goodness 
had nothing to do with Brat Packers playing Wild Wild West Legends and Young Guns. Cuteness did. And cuteness probably will have a lot to do with the appeal of mobsters, a view of the youthful years of such underground, underworld luminaries as Lucky Luciano, Mayor Lansky, Bugsy Siegel, and Frank Costello, portrayed respectively by Christian Slater, Patrick Dempsey, Richard Grieco, and Aussie import Mandalore. An Australian mafioso? I've lost most of that twang, says Mandalore, who moved to L.A. in 1987. I've been trying to get that mid-USA, nowhere, kind of can't-tell-where-I'm-from thing. Besides, while growing up down under, the actor, a son of Greek immigrants, watched hoods operate outside the seedy nightclub owned by an uncle. It wasn't always pretty, but Mandalore is undeniably cute. He won't say whom he's dating, but we hear it's actress Talissa Soto, 24, who has appeared twice as a James Bond they meant femme fatale, but it says fern me fatale. <laughs> um, a professional soccer player until hobbled by shin splints. He hasn't given up entirely on his other sport, boxing, and still spars to keep in shape. Sometimes in movies, he says, a nice face can't act. I don't want to have that problem. Hey, I'll blacken my tooth, pull out my eye, anything to get a decent role. How about just keep boxing? That's yeah. such a People Magazine 90s tone in yeah. that article. Yeah. Uh, any response to this? I'm, I'm, that's weird because I remember the blurb saying something completely different. I remember it just saying <laughs> <laughs> that one of the sexy, you know, one of the, one of the most beautiful people. It's weird that one of the most beautiful people looks like the mimic from Mimic trying to imitate Noah Emmerich. <laughs> That's the, that's the most had, a different piece that I read. I had so much time to think of one, and I and I don't have one. I was um, racing as you were as you were reading the match. Right? He's like charts and graphs, yeah, pulling yeah. up to see who he looks like. Yeah, um, it's just so wild because, like, not to be rude to the man who I love so much as Mark Hoffman in the Soft films, but I don't think I ever would have been like. Detective Hoffman, that dude is hot. <laughs> he can get it. <laughs> that dude is fucking hot. But you know, you look at the spread that they got here. It's a good-looking dude. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's that's why I, I think we've maintained on other episodes that it's not even really that Mandalore looks the, in these ways that we describe him. It's really Hoffman who looks that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's the character Costas who Man- really yeah. looks kind of unappealing. Hoff- uh, Casas Mandalore probably is perfectly presentable, even even low these many years later. Well, I present to you his Wikipedia photo. If you want to check that out in 2013, uh, it's a pretty funny one that. If you were looking at it when you said that, you'd kind of laugh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. The other big news of the week, I think we mentioned last week that the trailer was coming. I don't know what we mentioned last week about The Exorcist Believer. Maybe the trailer did come out. Uh, oh, no, it was playing. That's it was right. Playing it was playing only in the theaters for like a five days or something. It was only in yes. the theaters with Oppenheimer. That's right. And now it is uh, online. You can watch it. I think a lot of people are making fun of it. I haven't watched it. Have you watched it? I have not. I'm way behind on trailers. Um, oh, you're st- unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, I know. I've just been lying down on the job. Uh, I love David Gordon Green. I am. I I did see like a flash of footage as I was scrolling through my feed, and I was like, ah, this doesn't really look like my my boy David Gordon. I feel like the Halloween series is a much better match for his aesthetic. 
um but i will watch it at some point maybe i'll just save it for it to for it to pop up and do you think they'll play that and the saw trailer in front of ninja turtles tonight when i go see that (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) to the to the chagrin of all the children in attendance um i i don't think so but uh you should you should pop into some other theaters afterwards and hope to find it just pop around all night until you see it uh i'm beside note that movie's a lot of fun teenage mutant turtles mutant mayhem is not quite Spider-Verse levels of good. I think it's like, honestly, the, re- the thing keeping it from that is just like, it is obsessed with making modern pop culture references in lieu of jokes. Like just uh-huh. being like, uh, Mark Ruffalo in Avengers. Like just, yeah. It just like makes <laughs> jokes. Uh-huh. Um, but man, I didn't realize it was a Reznor Ross score until until like already I had logged my letterbox and said, that score fucking rocks. <laughs> and I came back to it and realized it was resner ross and it's like my favorite one of theirs in a long time it's like synthy video gamey it's great um great movie check out tnt ninja turtles mutant mayhem if only because whoever made it really really needs it to work is it paramount yes they already they're banking on a sequel they're banking on a tv series bridging the, the thing to the sequel so they're banking on it working and i don't know how it's tracking so check that out but the news uh, with Exorcist, the reason why I brought it up besides a trailer is we have the second sequel already dated. We oh, have wow. The Exorcist, um, the new one, the one that's coming out now uh, this year is called The Exorcist Believer, and the sequel, Jesse, is called The Exorcist Deceiver. What do you What do you got for three? <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, the Exorcist Reliever. Yeah, Reliever my... was the first way. Ah, fuck. That was the first one. I There's nothing else, it. right? Yeah. I just stole it. <laughs> Conceiver. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Gross. Ooh, prequel. That sounds like <laughs> yeah. a prequel. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, do you know anything? They, they haven't shot the sequel though yet. I don't think so. Right. I don't know. I don't think so. It, I. I would no. Uh, everything we know says that Believer finished filming a while back. Seems to be almost done. Um, yeah, I don't think this has shot yet. And I, do you think they're waiting for it to perform before they yeah, do it? Yeah, I think there's. I think they probably will nix it if it doesn't do well. Like I think you know. But like, what does do well mean when you're? Aren't they peacock dating day, and dating? No, it? I don't. Like, I don't think they are anymore because I'm pretty sure one of those posters says only in theaters. Ooh, you're right. It does say that. <gasps> That's such good news. But like. Is it, it's just so funny that, like, companies can announce shit like that and, like, you know, reap the investor benefit or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and just fucking, like, yeah, it doesn't mean mind. anything. Yeah. yeah, never mind. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to see it. And I do think that poster looks awesome. The poster that I see in this post looks immensely better than the screenshot from the trailer that's in the post. I'll say that. Um, so maybe you're, it just looks like a generic exorcist girl in the trailer, yeah. Yeah. as far as I can tell. Um Thomas Hayden Church said he heard rumors that Sam Raimi is developing Spider-Man 4. Did you see this? I did see that. I only saw... That's all I saw about it, really. He... That's all he said. He said, there's always been some kind of dot, dot, dot. I've heard rumors that Sam Raimi was going to do another Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. And if that happens, I'd probably campaign to maybe at least do a cameo. Because we all remember, he's the the Sandman. He's the Sandman. He's the Sandman. Oh, that was good. That was solid Sandler. Oh yeah, I've been doing Sandler <laughs> since I was a child. We yeah. love we love Sandler. Um, Sam Raimi making a fourth Spider-Man movie, not quite on my holy grail as much as like you know 
De Palma returning and doing a Mission Impossible or something. Uh, uh-huh. But it's it's very exciting, and it, yeah. I, I would hope. What's the deal? He could he'd have to make it at, at Marvel. No way. No, he, he doesn't have to make I it think, at Marvel. I think I don't know what the specifics of the deal is, but I believe that Sony might be. I think I don't know if they'd have to wait. But I think they, Sony might be able to make one. Maybe they would have to get some kind of approval from Marvel because I do think they've like essentially leased the character back to Marvel, but have control over the movies. It's very confusing. I feel like they could probably do it. I don't know whether that would really happen if Raimi really wants to go back or Maguire really wants to go back. But, boy, that would be pretty neat. Yeah, would be neat. All right, let's burn through the rest of these. There's a horror movie coming out. I just had a fun premise, and I want to mention it. It's called Cheat. I don't know anything about it. It could be very cheap. Um, Cheat centers on an urban legend that a supernatural being from the afterlife will violently murder anyone who cheats on their partner. Wow. (laughs) Fun premise. Could be bottom of the barrel. We don't know yet. Just wanted to put that on people's radars. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Dogtooth, uh, The Favorite, uh, The Lobster, that guy. The Greek Freak, as we call him at this podcast, starting now. I just started that. <laughs> um, that movie has been delayed for three months. It was supposed to be September 8th. It yes. is now December 8th. Yes. Uh, Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Gerard Carmichael. R-rated. Comparisons to Frankenstein. Uh, on Bloody Disgusting, but I haven't watched the trailer, so I don't know anything. Now, this bit of news I should have canceled, but I still have it here, so I'll say it. Because if you're listening to this podcast, the moment it comes out, which is a little bit late on Monday morning, sorry. um, All three seasons of the Scream TV show are leaving Netflix. Oh, wait, I thought this was July 31st. It's actually leaving Netflix August 31st. So you have a whole month. You have a whole month to watch three seasons of Scream, which I believe includes two seasons on MTV and one on VH1 or something like that. It has a weird, it's a weird thing. The third season's I think different than the others. I started it when the sequence six was coming out or five was coming out and I never finished it, but this is the kick I need. Do you care at all? No, I know. I just don't think I'm ever going to watch the show to be honest. (laughs) There you go. There you have it. Um, I wanted to just give a shout out to a movie coming out next week that I'm sure we'll cover that. I feel like, is being unceremoniously dumped, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, I'm just not seeing the advertising. It's advertising on fucking Shark Week or something, and I'm not watching it. But, like, Meg 2 The Trench is coming out next week. Yes. And I feel like you'd never know it. It's, and, isn't, it this, isn't it this week? Is it this yeah, Friday? Well, this week. It's Friday. You're right. It's yeah. out. Uh, I can't even fathom that, but it's yeah. true. It's yeah. out this Friday, and I, I think... Is this Jesse? Does this have to do with Barbie because it's a WB thing and WB's putting all their weight behind Barbie? Is that part of it? Does the movie just suck shit and they're hiding it? But I would argue the first one sucks shit and it made a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah. It made $530 million. You'd think they would make, be making such a, pardon the pun, a splash about this movie and they are just, it seems like it's barely. I, I just ha- no awareness. Do you do you have awareness? Uh, I do. I have to say, I've seen the trailer okay. for this movie a bunch of times. When we I guess went that's to- my press screening privilege showing. Yeah, that, because I'm not seeing the- these things anymore. And I uh, when I went to see Haunted Mansion in the real movie theater, which is you know they the trailer skewed a little bit on the young side, although I guess not really. I guess it was more PG thirteen. Well, so. the bag I would argue is a fucking kids movie. Yeah, well, the first one, the first one definitely is. There's like it's like a giant shark movie where nobody gets eaten. Oh boy, that movie sucks. Um, it sucks so bad. Yeah. The second you. one I do think looks a little more fun. They they Ben I, Ben Wheatley made it. Yeah. So I, I I gotta check it out. 
and of course, I have not been furnished with any kind of press screening. I don't think I. Have oh, to, I'm probably just gonna go see it. It's uh, a WB, so you know I got yeah. the. We'll let you know, and yeah. I've heard about when it is, and I'm not yeah. invited. Yeah, do you, do you, uh, I'll, I'll ask you off mic when it is, just out of curiosity. Yeah. But uh, the um, in front of Haunted Mansion, they even had a like newer trailer that was like a shorter version, the kind of like it's coming really soon, but we're gonna cut yeah. down one more trailer to like get you know a short trailer to get people get it in front of a, another big movie. Um, and I've also read that both that and Ninja Turtles are tracking pretty well and, and are expected to do reasonably well. I don't think it's going to be as big as the first one. I think the first one just had that like, oh, hey, we're just in the mood for this kind of pop that this is just not going to have as a sequel. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's expected to open as well. But both of them, both that and Ninja Turtles are expected to do pretty well. I think Ninja Turtles more so, which makes sense because I think uh, kids love Ninja Turtles. Uh, they don't always love the Meg. <laughs> um, but I do think it's expected to yeah. do decent business. I think it'll be, you know, it's going to be embarrassing when it outgrosses Mission Impossible. Um, that's probably, it probably won't happen. I'm just being, you know, pessimistic. But I do think it's going to do okay. I think people are pretty aware of it. I've seen posters and trailers everywhere. All right. There you go. I'm a fool. It's official. Um, <laughs> well, let's you know, move I think on. You're true that yeah. it's true though that it's just the the excitement probably isn't quite there at the at that first movie level where people were just like, yeah, fucking Statham and a shark. It was just such a like long. I mean, 20, 20 plus years I think of trying to make that movie with various yeah, people. Yeah. Like it was a big. It felt like it was a bigger. It just felt like a event where this yeah. one is just kind of farting itself out there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I, I will see it. Yeah, I will sure. see it probably 3 p.m. on Thursday. <laughs> um, let's get into the main event now that we're an hour and two minutes into the podcast. Um, let's start with Haunted Mansion because I don't know how much I have to say about it. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm, there's some. There's plenty to say. I will s- s- give my spiel that I gave on Roger and me to start, and then you take it from here. I was so into it for like, five to ten minutes maybe or maybe a little longer when it does that opening stretch that's talking about it's like setting itself up to be like a new orleans movie like it's shot in new orleans or at least it convincingly looks like it was if it wasn't and it's like this is a setting that means something it's in place new orleans is a place where death is celebrated where when you have a funeral uh it's a parade in the street it's a celebration of life like death is a joyous thing and like it had this like that's like such a potent, trenchant idea, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow, this movie might actually have the juice. And then it just proceeds to not have any juice after that <laughs> at all. And Lakeith Stanfeld is great in it, but like, what movie is he in? Like, what is this? Why yeah. is there the most emotionally drenched, like, very emotional performance from Lakeith? Very dour about, like, you know, classic protagonist with a dead wife shit, but like, yeah. it's all in service of what? A movie that is just like a ripoff of every haunted house movie you've ever seen, uh, kind of playing uh, with insidious type of stuff too, yeah. ghost hunter stuff, reverse seances, aka astral projection. Yeah, it's just like a kiddie version of that. But to me, it has none of the scares you want. It has none of the laugh. Well, that has some of the laughs you want, but mostly from like, you know, Owen Wilson being Owen Wilson. And yeah. Tiffany Haddish having some one-liners. And Danny DeVito having some one-liners. The jokes never come from, like, spooky situations or, like, the environment or anything that's actually interesting. No. It just was so inept. It is a kid's movie that stars one single kid who does nothing. <laughs> uh, that's my little rant. I just thought it was completely, like, it just um, I just sat there, like, slack-jawed. Like, who is this for? Like, I don't think kids would be bored by this. And adults would certainly be bored by this. And, like... 
Owen Wilson being Owen Wilson exorcist priest uh, is like, you know, he gets some laughs and I laugh, but uh, I, I just, wow. it doesn't, it's not enough. <laughs> wow. This house is haunted. Wow. <laughs> He's, he, uh, star of, of the haunting even where he doesn't, where He's he doing the same a, thing. He yeah. meets a memorable end. Yeah. I mean, they really step on the, the joke about him. What, what kind of a priest he turns out to be pretty poorly. Like that, yes. that, that seems like a revelation that should have come halfway through and had a big laugh behind it. And it didn't. Um, it is, yeah, I liked it a little more than you did, uh, to use the Siskel and Ebert parlance. Um, yes. but I was not, it was still a thumbs down for me. Uh, I was bored by it a bit. Um, I took my, my, I went with to see it with my, my Marissa, my wife and, um, and our daughter who went under some duress. She didn't particularly want to see it, but we were like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then, but then the opening credits ended with. And Jared Leto as the Hatbox yeah, Ghost, and, and she, she was like, and she was, "Fuck yeah. yes, yeah." Finally. She was all in. Yeah, my Joker in a for, for the movie. children. Yeah, I this was, is for me. Yeah, <laughs> this is my generation. We're taking things back. Um, Jared Leto is like fifty-five, which is even makes it even funnier. Um, the, does 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 he have like incriminating information on Bob Iger? Like, yeah. why does Disney <laughs> think? That he's like a guy that needs to be in all their shit. I mean, it's he won confusing. an Oscar, and that really confuses a lot of people. I think into hiring him, like you know, he you, you get like a big pay bump and status bump when you win an Oscar. And I feel like uh, Leto, it just like was assumed that people like to see him in things, and I don't think that's true. Um, I, I think will... he's trans. Uh, this may be his old hat conversation, but like I feel like he's fully transcended guy from band who acts and he's like an actor like he's yeah. an actor oh for sure yeah. i always knew i always knew him first as an actor because i watched my so-called life when it aired in 1994 so ah like, see i, I was yeah always like, that guy from my so-called life yeah he of course so was that an actor. was that presumably that was before the band yes as far as see, I, I, mean, I, it, I didn't it, even know that i, never, I just it, assumed it was like a band to movie thing I don't if know. the band existed before that i was not aware of it and no one was um <laughs> uh, uh, yes. It was, it, and it was not like they had a spot on the My So Called Life soundtrack because I think he was, um, he was probably not an actual teenager, but he was probably in his very early twenties when that when that show was out. Um, and it makes you know, it was kind of like James Franco on Freaks and Geeks. It was like, oh, okay, he has like a kind of James Deany vibe, and like in this, you know, very heartfelt and well written show, you take him out of this heartfelt and well written show, and it's not maybe as 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 a uh, turns out mostly directors like to really fucking wail on him <laughs> like in yes. uh, fight club and uh, american psycho requiem for a dream it's just like him people just look at him and go i want to fucking put, take an axe to that guy's face um which I get you it. know yeah yeah no it makes sense now <laughs> hearing about his onset antics um but yeah i took i took my we went to see this with my family my wife is loves the haunted mansion ride um and loves disney world in general but it really loves the haunted mansion ride she had like a haunted mansion like print shirt that she was i really thought you were gonna say she really loves the eddie murphy yeah i don't know if she's ever seen it i definitely haven't i've been meaning to watch it because i feel like i could ring a i disney plused it beforehand thinking that it was going to be like a key to unlocking this new film (laughs) a a crucial text as it was it was it funny is it good well you know what i remembered loving it when it came out 20 years ago because i was 12 13 or whatever uh, sure, and sure. i it was all it is is eddie murphy doing shtick for 90 minutes like it's they throw him in the haunted mansion he's like he what's going on <laughs> like it's it's just him doing it's mostly like a domestic it's kind of weird like he's you know uh, it's classic um this was 90s 2000s maybe even earlier shit but like it's classic um dad's overworked uh-huh. doesn't spend time with the family right he finally agrees to like take them somewhere, but last minute he's a realtor, 
he's got to stop at this house. Yeah, and they get yeah. stuck there, and yeah. then it's just him doing Eddie Murphy shtick. And as a kid, the shtick worked for me. It's great. Yeah. I also love Daddy Daycare when that came out. Like, <laughs> I just watched Eddie, that for the first time, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it doesn't hold up for you as someone who has no nostalgia for it and is not a child. <laughs> I feel like it probably doesn't work as an adult. You can confirm or deny. Yeah, but, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, but as a kid, like it's Eddie Murphy doing shtick, and there's like broad fart and poop jokes, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like it worked for me, and I thought it was genuinely hilarious. I thought Jeff Garland was funny. Like uh-huh. I was like, this movie's great. <laughs> um, and I felt the same way about Haunted Mansion, which I think came out the same year, if yes, memory serves. Yeah, you're correct. What a summer for Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Jesus. Well, um, Haunted Mansion I, was, was at least oh God. still... Yeah, November. They, <laughs> November, and they still didn't... Uh, t- two Haunted Mansion movies, they never put one out on Halloween or around Halloween. So bizarre. Did you um, see that tweet that was like um, yeah, executive meeting where like it should be a test where you say, okay, we have a movie called Haunted Mansion. When you, when should we release it? And if they say anything but October, they don't get the job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's happened funny, twice I, now. I, I feel like Disney was celebrating the 30th anniversary of Hocus Pocus by fucking up the same way. <laughs> and going, oh, my God. Okay, late July. Let's go. Halloween, late, late July. Um, yeah. So don't get anyway. me started on all these things that, like, uh, it reminds me that Hocus Pocus 2 should have made $100 yeah. million dollars in theaters. It reminds me that Turning Red should have made a bunch of money in theaters. It reminds me that... The Orphan Two would have made a hundred million dollars in theaters if they put the that classic in there, I Disney think. production. Um, yeah, no, I, it, it is Haunted Mansion is one of those ones where you kind of end up going, "Huh, this one was always going to go to theaters, huh? That's a weird, that's a weird organization." And it costs so much. That's like another like we shouldn't ever talk about it, but we kind of have to. Like, I think that another thing like this movie could be set up for success at a much lower budget level it just it costs 160 million dollars and i would argue it doesn't particularly look good or anything like that it's very dim it's very dim i liked actually one of the things i liked very dim i liked the production design and i liked like the ghost you know stuff they adapt from the ride and and all that um and my wife who's who's very into the ride caught a bunch of like fun references like i guess i didn't really i didn't didn't scan this at all because i just am not as uh knowledgeable about the ride uh, the the one the haunted mansion itself that the, most of the movie takes place in is the one is modeled off the, the one in Disneyland and when they go to the other house late in the movie that one is modeled after the one from Disney World. In oh, Florida. that's fun. Yeah, there's like fun. But stuff. it there's also like, it, that just reminded me how like this movie does is like stupid. And, like, well, yeah, the, the, we gotta go to the second haunted mansion. <laughs> yeah, there's like it's it's it has a kind of lack of momentum problem I would say, and. I liked a lot. I, you know, I liked a lot of the individual performances. I enjoyed Tiffany Haddish. I thought Lith Keith Stanfield was, yeah, like you said, he's very committed to it. And I really enjoyed Danny DeVito. I found him very funny, just because I find yeah. him funny in general. And he was scene like, stealer. He should yeah, have been in more of it. He did. He stole a lot of scenes. Um, but it doesn't really coalesce as like I like the kid too. The kid, the kid was, you know, charming, like a funny yeah, little kid. It's though. funny that we can say the kid because yeah. there's one kid in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, which is fine. I think, actually, I kind of like the idea that they were going to do this a little more like Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's, yeah, it, it's okay for kids to see, but it's also, like, you're not going to be beholden to, like, oh, it's going to be a family, and there's going to be four kids running around. You know, like, I was fine with it mix. You know, kids can enjoy movies about adults. And I will say, my seven-year-old, who was not that interested in seeing this and did find it kind of scary, uh, 
I thought. I mean, she she told me it wasn't as good as she thought it was going to be, which which was surprising to me because I didn't think she had much interest in seeing it in the first place. And she also found it that she found it much scarier than she thought it was going to be. I think it I does think, have some like actual. There's like one PG thirteen horror movie scare in it. That's yeah, like oh, yeah. that's like a scary lady. Like what's yeah. going on? Why? Is but this I was in surprised here? she never. She sometimes whispers to me, you know, halfway through a movie, like when you know how much is left or something like that. And or, or you know, or kind of says like, oh, I'm kind of bored of this or whatever. Um, especially when we're watching stuff at home, and sometimes when we're watching stuff in the theaters too. And this movie that did not happen at all. Like she was asking, she occasionally would ask questions about it, but it was in a way where she seemed really interested, not rather than like impatient about like, oh, who's this? I don't know what this is. Like she was like genuine. She genuinely seemed to me pretty interested in it. So I don't think it's necessarily a miscalculation to just have the one kid. I think she was. I was surprised how much she was interested in it. Uh, without it being like pandering to you know specifically to her age group, but it it doesn't really like the kind of ensemble they have here, and they have some fun cameos as well. It doesn't really come together as like something that really feels like it's coalescing as a whole. Like Lakeith Stanfield and Danny DeVito don't feel like they're in the same movie exactly, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't have to be anyway, but in this case, it does kind of feel disconnected and weird, and I did find it kind of dull. Even though I was enjoying some of the... I kind of liked the vibes of like, oh, this is kind of spooky, but it's not too scary for a kid to, to deal with it. And I liked the production design, and I liked, you know, a lot of what he was kind of going for. But it just does have this weird... The writing, it really... Like, I hate to sound... This sounds like such a, like, you know, 80s movie critic thing to say, but it really is the screenplay. The script to this movie is very strange. Um, yeah. The I, I don't and know. I, I, it sucks because I love the writer Katie Dippold, if only because she's the viral person who wore the Babadook costume yes. to the, oh, yeah. uh, the I, Halloween I, party. She um she wrote the Heat, which I thought was yeah. very funny. Um, Michael wrote, Mann's the Heat. Yeah. <laughs> she wrote uh, Snatched, which no one liked, but I actually <laughs> thought was pretty funny. Also, uh, with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn, uh, the Ghostbusters remake, which is kind of middling, but it's kind of, I think amusing enough. I don't think it's badly written. I think, and I think she did a, is, you know, she tried, she tried her best with that. Um, so I, I like her, but the, the, I think people have talked about like, oh, these, some of these things sound like bad improv from the actors. And to me, it didn't sound like bad. Imp- the bad lines didn't sound like bad improv from the right actors. It sounded like bad writing. It sounded like kind of lamp shady, uh, this sounds like a joke, or like we need a moment of levity, so we'll have people say something stock. Exactly. Like, I'm exactly. out, or like uh, you know, hard pass. I don't think anyone says hard pass in the movie, but like stuff like that, where it's like, well, that's not a joke. That's just like a thing to say in the moment. There's and... also that whole stupid thing about like how the hauntings happen, but like nobody really warns other people, and they just get haunted by it, and they're like, well, the, the like the, that running joke about them returning to the house immediately. Yeah, and I think it's a good idea that that even kind of like. I mean, that's, a, that's one of those things where they kind of f- act like they're inventing something, even though, like, Insidious, like you said, Insidious and any number of horror movies have done the thing where you leave the house, but the, ha- the ghosts follow. Um, but, like, okay, that's like, <clears throat> that's a good enough idea. Like, you know, that that's fun. But the movie doesn't really, like, bring any new pizzazz to that or, like, kind of any new kind of colorfulness to it. Everyone's very, like, nicely costumed and have a nice... It's a nice mix of personalities, and yet it doesn't kind of come together as a thing that really makes sense in a, in a you know, okay, so this is this about grief? Is this a kind of celebrate... The, like you said at the beginning when they're talking about New Orleans kind of celebrating death, that is... The, that's the whole vibe. That's a great idea. That's, a, that's the whole vibe of the Haunted Mansion. That it's kind of a party in addition to be kind of ghoulish. Like, that's why the ride is so much fun. And Marissa, who's watched and read a fair amount about this ride was talking about how, like, there was a lot of push-pull when they were making this ride years ago 
about whether it was supposed to be funny or scary. And as it happened, the ride kind of turned out to be both. And rather than feeling like it's at odds with each other, that's perfect. It's like a kind of, it's like a Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, which is how they dress it up, I think, in, in the Christmas season. Uh, Tim Burton-y right. kind of like, it is funny and scary. Adam's Family also kind of like, yeah, it's spooky, but also it's, you know, it has like puns and, and macabre yeah it's yeah it's kind of a macabre sense of humor works perfectly in the ride and it sounds so dorky to be like oh it works so well in the ride but it does like the ride for that mix they're going for they really nail it and you can see moments where the movie is trying to do that trying to get that kind of like ghosts but it's kind of a party you know spooky but kind of silly i i love i love that mix i love the horror movie for kids idea like i think that's actually a very cool idea for a movie i was excited for this movie to be honest i thought it looked fun I love um, a gateway horror movie for kids. Yeah, I something agree. Where, exactly. A good something one. You, a good one hits so good. Like yeah, I love. Yeah, and you'll you'll you know something where you'll then yeah you'll eventually watch some like scarier stuff because of movies like this. And I think for some kids it probably will work like that just because for just by virtue of it like being out there. But the comedy stuff is deadly. I mean, for the again, Devito's funny and and Hannah has some good lines, but like a lot of it, especially in the early going, is just like kind of like you, like we were talking about filler lines that aren't jokes. Uh, and they don't give like the ghosts any kind of like funny ghoulish pun. I mean, they they do here and there, but nothing like yeah. Nothing there's on nothing. The, level that they the should. ghosts don't even fucking talk except for the the hat box one, and it's Jared Leto. But again, that's another funny like oversell of like Jared Leto is the hat box ghost. Like if anyone is excited about that, it's just an anonymous guy who yeah, he's, looks he's like a skeleton a and doesn't yeah. have a voice. Like it doesn't have Jared Leto's voice. It's like a it's like a spooky thing laid over it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some Did moments you... that are kind of fun. Like, I like the, you know, the ghost who, like, the fisherman ghost who, like, wants to, keeps turning the TV to, like, Deadliest Catch, who wants to watch that all the time. That yes. kind of stuff, where it's like, oh, the ghost being kind of funny and quirky. That stuff is really, is, is really enticing, but the movie doesn't seem like it's that interested in that, or, like, it's just trying to serve a lot. It feels very committed to death. Like, Justin Simeon made this. He made a very funny movie called Dear White People that was then turned into a Netflix show that I, of course, did not watch. Um, but Dear White People, the movie, is very funny and charming and, and, and feels like it's his personality coming through. I didn't see Bad Hair, which was his other kind of crack at a sort of horror movie, right? Is that right? That that's kind of a horror movie? Did you see that one? Hair? Yeah. Bad Hair? Yeah. It sucks, um, but yeah. But Dear White People is very funny and, and has his sensibility. Or, I agree. Like, the show's it, also good. The show is oh, good. yeah. I've heard the show's good, too. So I was kind of looking for something like, like oh, this will be a little kind of off-center comedy mixed with some kind of spooky stuff. And it just doesn't, I don't know, it does not, it feels like it was, I, I have no idea if it was interfered with, but it just feels like this thing got noted to death somehow. I don't know. It's weird. It, does, it, like, it yeah, doesn't quite Like, yeah, the work. jokes are like Tiffany Haddish snoring. Like, that's yeah. a good example of a toxic joke that sucked the first time and they do it twice type well, of I thing. Well, like, I kind of like the idea, yeah, even that, it's like a funny idea that she is saying she's going to go into, like, you know, she's going to astro-project, and you they all think that, wait, is she sleeping or actually astro-projecting? There's, like, a funny germ of an idea there. But it doesn't, I don't know, it, it doesn't build in, in a comedy way, and it also doesn't build in a horror way. And, like, comedy and horror, as much as I, they don't always gel together, they have a similar kind of, you know, you, wanna, you build tension and release with a laugh yes. or a scare. And this one really doesn't have that tension. Um, and so totally. it's, yeah, it's just kind of a mess, uh, which is, which is a bummer. I didn't, again, I didn't hate it. I actually, you know, was, I found parts like bits and pieces of it. I found really enjoyable and neat. I was just, but then more disappointed, but then it ends with kind of a like, oh, okay. I guess this is, I don't mm. know. It's, did it's you hate, a, did you hate CGI fucking Jamie Lee in a crystal ball? Like you have Jamie Lee Curtis. Why make her look like 
like you don't. Like, yeah. It's like insane to me that when they do shit like that. I, I mean, I could see some of that was like clearly trying to. Well, yes, know, they're trying to do to something. The, the, yeah. the iconography of the ride and stuff like that. And I appreciated those nods to it. It just like, I don't know. It's it just, un, It's also uninspired. Is that what? Yeah. It, like, that's a word that came to mind when I watched it. But I'm glad you called out the jokes just not being jokes because like that's what I was struck with. I'm like, yeah, all the humor is one-liners that don't work and shit like that. It yeah, does feel it, noted. To and that. the stuff that is funny is like is when Danny DeVito is is you know showing some kind of weird personality, like as the when he's this professor who really wants to who's like dying to see the haunted mansion and like shows up uninvited essentially after they steal some material from him. that. Some of the some yeah, those are moments that are I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, but it doesn't feel like it like it, it builds to anything and it just kind of ended up feeling like a mess to me which was it's a shame it feels like it, i haven't seen the older one and i do i will watch it but this sounded like a much more ambitious version of you know the, the first version like you said as you described it sort of sounds like oh yeah it's a, a kind of a family comedy that takes place in the haunted mansion this one kind of feels like you're trying to get at something you know kind of that's both creepy and well, sad and also funny about death, and they're just not, I don't know, they just didn't it's like, committed to it. It's finally a kid's horror movie that's about unprocessed grief. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and look, Sandfield's very convincing as someone who's grieving his, his wife. But yeah, the- but like those scenes, I'm like, why am I watching a monologue about how he's like, life is dirt, everything is terrible. I'm like, yeah. what is this movie? And it's, and it's well, it's not especially well written. Uh, the thing about what, what the, the kid who's talking to his dad, quote unquote, uh, is call, you can call from a mile away and like, you know, like it, it's just, it is one yeah. of those things where it kind of, it's weird that Katie Dippold wrote this cause she obviously loves horror movies if she was dressing as the Babadook, but this does, yeah. a lot of the stuff in this does feel like, oh, this isn't a loving homage to some of this horror stuff that you see in Insidious or any number of creepy kid movies or haunted house movies. It almost feels like they don't know the, that these things have been done already, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it feels like some producer is going, oh, this is a great idea, and no one's going, hey, actually, this, like, is we know this is a great idea because it was in, like, six other movies. <laughs> Did you catch the – there's, like – I feel like the direction's pretty whatever throughout, but there's, like, a couple moments that I feel like are trying to be inspired, but they just are inept, and it's, like, the, like, crash zooms on the hallway, like, twice. There's, like, the part where, like, they have to jump around the hallway – yeah, because like there's a thing in the middle. You realize eventually it's like they're being stabbed on both sides or whatever, yeah. and that's why it hurts. Like the first time they jump over the the kid has to jump across. It's just like, shot in this weird digital zoom way that just I was just like immediately taken out. I'm like, this looks like garbage. Um, it just is a bad movie. I, yeah, it <laughs> doesn't bottom, really work. Yeah. I just yeah. was I was sort of like, oh, this isn't really working for me. I'm I think both uh, Marissa and our daughter enjoyed it a little more than I did. Um, cause even my daughter who was like, oh, that wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Well, I was like, yeah, it was kind of a mess. She was like, why was it a mess? She's like, what do you mean? It was a mess. And I was like, whoa, okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to lose your daughter, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, don't, don't, let's not go too far here. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of a bummer. I just wish it had been a, a better. I need to talk to my buddy, Nathaniel, who saw it and really liked it, but he's also mm. was, was really into the, um, really into the ride and really I, into the kind of the lore of it. So I, I'm curious to see. It's also... I kind of on a story level unconvincing in terms of Lakeith's arc because he's like I don't believe in this stuff but also I invented this camera that makes it possible yeah no <laughs> it's, it's like okay it's why it's one of the things that makes it feel like it was rewritten a couple in a couple different directions so it's just yeah it's, it's a disappointing all right another disappointment for Jesse but a movie that I liked a lot at Sundance and a movie that I liked 
I still liked it. I still liked it a lot, actually. But I liked it a little less, and I'm more open to Jesse's criticisms that I'm assuming he's going to make. But let's talk about Talk to Me, yes. that I'm delighted to hear overperformed. It's gonna do. It's doing well. It's doubled its budget opening weekend. I hope it continues to do well. It might drop like a stone. I don't know. I hope it's got word of mouth. I think it'll. It might do. If it drops fifty next weekend, that'd be great. I would love for it to do five next week. You know, the cinema score on it was B plus, which we, as we call in the horror business, an A triple plus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, that's crazy. So people must like it pretty well. Yeah, and I I think I get it. I saw it in a, a, so. How did you see it? I went to the press screening. Oh, sorry. So you saw it with an audience also. I did. I see it, saw it with an audience. It was not like a straight, like, this is me and 15 critics in a small room. It was like a press screening at a multiplex with a bunch of people who I didn't recognize. So I was like, maybe they're – I think it was a mix of, like, you know, I, uh, recruited yeah. audience and influencers or whatever and, like, general press. I had the hilarious screening situation that was – it was the AMC Early Access, so anybody could buy them. But they also made it the press screening, like uh, last minute. They like set aside some seats. Yeah. Yes. So like I was there, and then Esther sat down next to me, and I'm like, oh hi. <laughs> like I had just bought a ticket from a list, and I'm like, right. Oh, everyone must have had this idea. And then I remembered. I'm like, oh no, they actually did send out a press thing, and there was right, a few right. other press people started filtering in. I think some of them probably did what I did because TMNT was at five, and that yeah. was at seven at the uh -huh. same theater. So it was a very easy double. Uh -huh. um, but seeing it in a theater, I get why it does well. And I, I just think it's undeniable, and I think most people say this when they talk about it, it has such a strong first half that peaks with its best sequence or its most upsetting, terrifying, whoever you want to call it, sequence, and then it struggles, maybe, I think is what most people say. And I would agree to a, to a, I, I would agree to a degree because I think it does its, it, its third act might be weaker than what comes before it, but I did find it a little more resonant when I saw it a second time. Um, but... Talk, talk to me about talk to me. Where, where are you? Yes. On this? Well, I'll, let's let's say what it's about at least roughly. Uh, yes. Talk to me is an Australian horror movie uh, from Brothers. I think are they are the Danny and yeah, Michael they're Philippu? they're YouTube dudes. Their YouTube names are Raka Raka, oh, and boy. I don't know what that is or what they do, <laughs> but they are YouTube guys. Yeah. Bros. So it, it's uh, the premise is that this this woman this young woman Mia played by Sophie Wilde um, is wouldn't you know it grieving the loss of her mother. And we need like a we need like a ding 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 ding. ding, ding, ding yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sound the and alarm. She she's a teenager, I think, right? She's still in school. She's still in high school, or like she's kind of getting towards the end of high school. Yeah, I believe that's correct. And sort of, you know, at loose ends, and she she pals. She's like very, come very close to her best friend's family, um, which includes a, a, a girl her age and a younger brother and the and the single mom, and. Uh, she the movie sort of opens with this already sort of being a thing that there are these house parties that sort of this friend group has where you someone has like a weird enchanted object like a plaster cast hand that they claim has a real hand underneath that belonged to a medium and you light a candle and t touch the hand and you see a ghost and then you can say talk to me no he says I let you in right Talk to me. You first talk say to me talk to the, me and it appears. Yes. And, and then, then you, say, you, yeah. And then I say, I let you in and the spirit possesses you. And they've been doing it sort of as a, like as a, as a party goof. And they just limit it to 90 seconds and then blow out the candle and, and let them, let the spirit out. And so they just are kind of doing this for, for tricks. And as you might expect, some stuff goes wrong. I'll just say that. Yes. In terms of, you know, oh, do you, what happens if you let something in for a little longer? Or, you know, uh, you see there's a prologue to the movie that kind of shows, you know, kind of hints at what might happen if you fool around with these things. 
And, boy, I don't know. I, I don't know. This didn't quite work for me. And I don't know if I found the concept a little, like, instantly convoluted, where it's like, you touch it just a gives hand. you, like, four rules in a yeah, row. Yeah, like, that, and I just, I, I hate to sound, this sounds like, I don't know if I have Siskel and, I on the, Siskel and Ebert on the brain today, if I've just been listening to Roger and me too much, but, like, the... I'm taking the Cisco criticism of, like, I kind of didn't buy it. Like, I didn't buy that these characters would be like, what would be fun is uh, being briefly possessed by a ghost for 90 seconds. And then, like, they do this all night, like, they're getting high. And, like, I think if you really drew the connection between, like, oh, it's, it's like a high. But they don't really talk about what it feels like. They just kind of imply that it's fun in some way. And I just kind of didn't buy that no one in these group of people would be like, this is really fucked up. I don't want to do this. Cut to me. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they just kind of treat it as a goof and they record it on, on video and share the videos with each other. And no one yeah. says, like, holy shit, you're seeing ghosts. You're making contact with the dead, which is which are then possessing you. Isn't that crazy? Everyone's just kind of like... Yo, we'll check this out, man. Like, yeah, and kind of half this... of them. Pres- I think they're expecting that. Like, they, they just don't believe it. They think yeah. they're fucking around. Like, a lot right. of them think that. But like, it, it is happens... it is ridiculous. Yeah, because yeah, it... their face becomes like they they get like movie makeup on and they look scary. Like, right. <laughs> it's not just like a, exactly. A fake, there's no Im- there's no yeah. ambiguity about what is happening, right. and yet it's treated as if it might just be a fun party trick. So that just immediately sort of that combined with having a bunch of different rules involving a candle and a time limit and two different code words, I was just sort of like, this is taking me out of it. I don't feel like this is happening. Um, like you know, obviously it's like plenty of horror stuff has fantastical elements. I just was kind of immediately like, uh, I don't know, and I just kind of the teenagers in general, I didn't buy. They're kind of like hostile, dirtbag, unpleasant vibes that everyone has. I did like Sophie Wilde, the lead, the lead girl in it, and found her empathetic. But even her, she's like sort of desperate to be accepted by this like group of horrible kids. And I didn't, again, didn't really understand why they wanted to do the, any of this. And so when it then gets into more intense and bleak and grief-driven stuff... I just kind of felt like I was being jerked around. Like I was, it was to me, the movie kind of felt edge lordy. Like it was kind of oh, saying, like, okay. "Oh, isn't this fucked up?" And Buddy, I, was like, I wrote I that guess. down. I you when know? I when I my edge lord joke or to myself because I don't think it means anything to anybody. I just write down, "Does it offend you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I think about that. I I totally, especially because they uh, you could say it in an Australian accent. Uh, it, I did feel yes. like it had a little bit of that vibe. And I just, I kind of, you know, I detached from it. I stopped feeling involved with it. Something that, um, I know, I'm not like that, you know, qualified to speak on this, but I saw um, a friend of the show, Jordan Cyril's, uh, mention yes. online. Yes. Uh, Sophie, the, uh, Sophie Wilde, the char- her character, Mia, is black. Yes. And her dad is black. Uh, they presume, I think they, they imply that it's a mixed race marriage. I forget why that's, I guess we see, we see her mother. I guess we see her mother. No, wife. I think her is or her, her mother, mother also black? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think her mother's black, or like maybe light skinned but she's, it, she's I yeah, think she's it, black. Yeah. In any case, she's black, and most of the other te- there are teenagers. It's a, I guess it's kind of a diverse group of teenagers, but like that's the thing. It kind of feels like rather than dealing with any kind of racial dynamics at play, because these kids are kind of inexplicably hostile to this girl, and if this, I feel like this is a ho- almost becoming a horror trope. Uh, this was in um, the the one the the one that was out in June that his name I'm completely blanking on uh, the the uh, Quiet Place guys one that was based on the Stephen King story um, I forget what it's called uh, but it was just out the one with the girls from Star Wars and stuff uh, 
Why can't I think of what the fuck yeah, you're why, talking about? <laughs> I know it's completely blanking. But like, the Star Wars girl. Like, what are yeah. you? Well, yeah. <laughs> Sophie Thatcher, I mean, uh, from, from Oh, the Boogeyman. The Boogeyman, yeah. Um, the Both of these, and I think this has happened in other horror movies too, have this thing where it's like, oh, this person's grieving and also her friends are really mean to her about it or, like, hate her or aren't really her friends. And, like, I get you're trying to get some kind of realism. I'm teenagers can be cruel to each other and it's not all that everyone's going to be super sensitive. But both of them, I was just kind of like, what world are we living in where someone has semi-recently lost their parent and the reaction of everyone around them is kind of like, fuck you, we don't like you that much. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm sure that yeah. could happen. But, like, what Jordan pointed out is, like, yeah, maybe that could happen if there's like something else at play here, like maybe the racial dynamics, like sure, like you feels it. like, and this is kind of feels like it's completely like, oh yeah, she's the black girl, and there's like a couple other, well, you know, other races, and it's just a mixed race group, which is fine, but it does kind of feel like there's a kind of special hostility directed towards her, but the movie does not want to acknowledge it at all. And that kind of feels like a missed opportunity, especially in a movie where I'm wondering for half the running time, why is everyone so hateful and awful to each other constantly? And, like, if you're not going to deal with that, it just kind of feels like you're, you know, just doing it to say, to say oh, look how progressive we are because we have different people of different races, which, of course, is fine if, if that's if it's yeah. you're doing something and else. But it just kind of feels like it was unacknowledged by the movie. I think the the original actress who was supposed to do it was actually not black and uh-huh. i think i heard the director say that and they fought for sophie wilde whatever lost a bunch of funding to do it and sacrificed their salaries to cast her all this shit which brings up like a different maybe a race issue actually but yeah. um i think that's totally fair criticism like you could just the only defense to that to me would be yeah sure they colorblind cast her, but right, then right. use that as an opportunity to maybe write that in if you are a smart filmmaker. Sure, right, I don't right. know. But, like, that's fine. That's a fair criticism. Back to the Edgelord conversation, I actually still find that, like, centerpiece sequence that you could argue is kind of cribbed from Hereditary in a way, or, like, it's a riff on the big scene in Hereditary if you think about it too hard. I still think that sequence really works. It really is viscerally uncomfortable, and it's so upsetting, and I think it works as, like, this jolt of a yeah. moment. Yeah. But I, I got to say, I wrote down, does it offend you? Yeah. There's a moment there's a moment with her and her father later yeah. in the hospital. And I couldn't believe I, I saw the movie already. And the second time around, I've forgotten. I'm like, that feels too far. I'm like, that is too far. Yeah. It just it just took it. It, it 100 percent went into edgelord territory. But then I think it kind of it undoes it a little bit at the end. Uh, with yeah, I think it does review. have a cool. It does have a good. It has the an actual ending, ending like good ending. Yeah. Yes. The 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 final two minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, like that is good. Even if the third act kind of stumbles. But let's talk about the the part that I think works, and I think it's the part. You know, it opens. Well, first of all, the, the in media res opening kind of sucks. I don't think it adds anything. No, Do you remember that? I, I, yeah, yeah. No, like the like the the, the boys at the party. other party. Yeah, yeah it it doesn't. Ri- I mean, it gives you a little hint of like what. Oh, I see now. Later, you say you're like, oh, I see what that was, but like it doesn't really add very much. It just like shows you a guy throwing a knife into his face, and you're like, holy shit! Like, what is going on? And then the movie starts, and then yeah, I was taken by. I didn't have any problem with these teens. I felt like they were mostly believable. I feel like the dynamic of friend who has a friend whose younger brother she spends more time with uh-huh. as they get older and like this drift apart like i actually found that weirdly believable yes and yes. weirdly specific like i've known people like that and i think that was interesting i like their dynamic um and i think that sequence where 
the movie seems to f- actually be having fun with itself instead yeah. of being grim. And it has like that montage of like them doing all the different uh, people doing it and all the different times me uh, whoever me it does it I think a few times. Yeah. But like it has it's all very fun in game games when they're just doing the what is basically flatliners but made modern right, which is right. like flatliners but what if we what if flatliners was a party game yeah. like it's a fun idea um but you're right i think once it does the the centerpiece sequence which uh, i guess we let's get in the spoilers yeah. uh if you haven't seen the movie and you want to be fully impacted stop listening here i think it's worth seeing jesse would say Maybe still. What do you yeah, still I mean, say? It's worth yeah, yeah. That's a good. This is a good opportunity to like give a bottom line thing. I mean, like, like Marissa was talking about seeing it, and I was like, yeah, you should go. Like, if you want to, like, it's gotten good review. Like, I wouldn't say my minority voice is enough. It should be enough to dissuade anyone. If you're a horror fan, I feel like it's definitely worth the like the AMC stubs or the matinee showing or whatever. I just like my expectations are perhaps too high. And if someone wasn't a big horror fan or was only going to see like one or two a month, I would say do not make it. Do not make this one of them. Um, but like, it's not. You know, it's it's like interesting enough to be worth seeing. Uh, but I was I personally didn't care for it very much. So yeah, it's it's not. It's certainly not something I would say that people should avoid. Okay, cool. And I will say, I think it works. At, I think it's you got to consider it's like a debut. I think it's a debut horror movie. I think it's I think it's very strong. I think, again, strong first act, pretty good second act, and then kind of fizzles third. But I really do enjoy where it ends up. Yeah. Now we'll get to s- the spoilers. The centerpiece sequence involves Mia, uh, the main girl. Allow- Basically, uh, Mia has a friend named Jade, and she spends a lot of time with Jade and her brother Riley. And Riley is a little younger, but they've come to the party with them. Remind you of anything? Hereditary, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. And the kid, Riley, wants to do the ga- the talk to me thing. And Jade says no. Riley convinces him to do it. Like, well, maybe just 50 seconds instead of 90. How right. about we compromise? And it's like this whole overstepping moment where she's going too far and she shouldn't do it. and But she does. And then Riley gets converted <laughs> to a demon or whatever, a spirit. And he becomes her, her mother. Or like yes. what she thinks is her mother, right? He's, he seems oh. to be possessed by her by her mother. So it's this very specific thing that she is like engaged with and doesn't want him to 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 stop holding the hand. And I think that sequence, Jesse, is really terrific, if only because I think the movie was having fun with the premise before, and like was it was it doesn't have enough fun with it. Maybe you could argue it doesn't do enough with it. And I don't think they explore enough about the spirits and what they do and who they are and what they want and all this shit. But I think going from the, like, fun montage to this sequence that is just nightmarishly harrowing because of the character dynamics they set up, the, the kid who's possessed ends up, like, they can't get the hand out of his hand. He's stuck to it, and he starts fucking bashing his face against the table, the wall, yeah. the edge of the dresser. Yeah. He tries to the, the worst moment is like he tries to rip his own eye out and he kind of does. Yeah. And it's it's just it's all done practically with I think some CGI overlay maybe on some of the digit on some of the stuff, but like the practicality of the of the makeup for this type of shit goes such a goes such a long way for me. It is such a viscerally upsetting sequence that I think it convinces people and tricks people, Jesse, into going away from this movie and saying it's a scary movie. Because I would argue it's really not scary any other time. 
I think it's only scary in those two shocking moments that the audience's only reaction is to like wince, look away, and feel horrible. Like it's just like a, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this this to this nice boy. It's, and like a hundred percent, I get why you think that's edgelord territory, but like. I thought it was kind of masterfully built up and executed. And then I, I'm not going to argue that it kind of loses its way a bit with what to do from there. Yeah, it is, it's a very effective sequence. And I think you're right. It's more visceral and upsetting than it is really scary. And the rest of the movie, yes. I, yeah, I, was, I did not find it pervasively scary. It didn't haunt my nightmares. It has a few sequences that are like really nasty and bracing which is not i'm not saying that's a bad thing in fact it's that's you know it's, it's there are a lot of horror movies that were just so dull and don't have anything that like snap you out of that complacency and this definitely has that um what i found like in the, the dynamic in that scene that i found so i feel like i wish they had almost had played it up more but i feel like they're almost too busy like making it too edgy too fast uh, earlier in the movie is that she very much cares for this kid and uh, uh, she also then encourages him to stay longer than the 50 seconds because she wants to talk to her mother. Yes. And I think that's so much more effective if she's less... She seems really careless before that. She's like, yes. sure, just let him try it. Like, sure, come on. Oh, well, you wanted fifth... that to be the, her turning point. Yeah, yeah I think... I, I mean, again, this is very Siskel Liberty, like backseat screenwriting-y, but I would say that is so much more effective if she is a little, like not sure about him doing it but says well i can i'll i'll make sure he doesn't go past this point and then kind of betrays him by giving into that kind of selfish grief and saying oh i know i i want to keep talking to my mom like i'm gonna push this a little harder but she's already seems so kind of like reckless and irresponsible before that because she's like allowing ghosts to possess her multiple times a night and is like enthusiastically lobbying for this younger kid to do it then, then it was like, oh, okay, she's like, seems like kind of a monster. And I, I don't think that's the intent. I don't know. It just feels like, it all feels a little like it almost wants to be so kind of grungy and like, not nasty, but just sort of like, I don't know. There's just something about it that like, to me, the, the, there's not a shift there. It's just like, it makes it more predictable. Whereas if she's genuinely reluctant to let this kid do it, but then is too tempted and lets him stay longer because she just wants so bad for her mom to be able to talk to her. Boy, I think that's a lot more effective than what they do in the actual movie. And it's still pretty effective. It's a great idea. And, like, it's still, it is creepy and and very jarring and, like, upsetting. And it pretty much works for what they're going for. I just think it could have had a kind of higher level to it. And to me, it's interesting that you brought up Hereditary a couple times. Because my feeling really was, like, this this has a kind of it follows the vibe in terms of, like, oh, okay, there are these rules but they're like passed out you don't know where they came from these rules but they're gonna just decide a pool is the is the is the is the thing to do in the third (laughs) act it's a a thing where like the rules are passed down but you don't they're not really official rules because you don't really know where they came from you're hearing about it you know third hand from like these things that are passed in this case literally passed along and then it follows it's more of kind of spiritually passed along and i love that kind of thing that kind of urban legend like we're on our own like this is happening away from the eyes of adults and adults can't help you i love that vibe that's why it follows is one of my favorites and this to me kind of felt like you had something very it follows and this much just might be a personal tasting you had something that's very it follows and then you're trying to make it hereditary by forcing it to be like kind of nastier and i feel like this did have qualities of hereditary 
in that it had kind of the bad qualities of that movie where I was kind of like, are you, did you guys think this through? Like, did this feel believable to you? Like at some point, I don't really know what's going on or why it's not as bad as hereditary in term in those terms. I think it's not as good as hereditary in terms of like the actual <laughs> filmmaking, but it's much more clear than hereditary, which I feel like kind of descends into like, wait, why is this happening? Like, I guess this is scary, but I don't know what, what this is. And then at the end, it's just like, it's witches <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't have that kind of, roller coastery like wait are you you know you're letting this get out of control but it has it kind of aspires to that and i don't think that's necessarily good for the movie like i don't think this story requires a hereditary level of like being so fucked up uh, i think you could still make it kind of chillier and, and spookier without it being so like yeah like with so kind of aggressive it makes me sound like such a like horror movie prude being like oh it was too aggressive for me these yeah, characters weren't like likable enough it's like me saying cocaine bear was too much right right <laughs> it's it's funny where these lines happen because you do think of yourself as someone who watches horror movies where you're like yeah this is not a big deal you know stuff that other people would be like oh that was too gross or too scary or too gory you're you're used to being like nah well, that was fine like if anything that was kind of tame but there are yeah. sometimes these lines will materialize unexpectedly and that's what happened with me in this movie i sort of unexpectedly found myself after half an hour 40 minutes going i don't like this like this is <laughs> this is too much for me and i didn't mean because i was like pulverized into fear you know i just found it like i don't know i just found it a bit much and it wasn't car- not not enough of it was carrying me along to say, well, this was maybe threatening with going too far, but it was so scary that I was into it. I just, you know, there were a lot of things. I like the Miranda Otto character, the single mom, uh, who kind of doesn't try not to take any shit from her kids. I thought so. There are certain notes in it that I, I think, like right, that dazed and confused esque moment where she's like, "There's no party happening here tonight." Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are some moments there that that did ring true and felt like lived in, and I felt like the actors were doing bringing a lot to it. So it's not that it's... A, I didn't find it to be a complete loss, but I did... And I, get, I agree with you. The ending is very good. It has a nice spooky, spooky ending. I think that spooky ending is more what I was hoping for from the whole movie, rather than it being kind of, like, focused on, like, what's the gnarliest shit that someone can do to themselves with the coffee table? You know, like... I mean, that's... Yeah. I don't, I don't I mean, and then like, stuff, but it's... And then, not. like, the third... And I think the reason why the third act I keep saying is bad, I think it's more that, like, the movie just kind of runs out of tricks, right? And it just, like, yeah. keeps doing the same thing where it's, like... That kid, the kid uh, really fucked himself up. What if he did it again? Yeah. And what yeah. if he did it again? Right. <laughs> and what if she did this? And it's just like, it does start to pile on shit that I was like, come on. But then it wins me back over by the end. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff going on that I'm not sure the rules make. Like, do they make sense? Like, do you understand why she does what she does when she, like, jumps into, like, when she does herself instead of Riley type of thing? Like, no, I don't want to, I guess we were in spoiler territory, so I yeah, can say it, but I am but, being vague. But you yeah. get it. It's I I wasn't sure, and for that matter, I I my interpretation of like the issue of it being like you know her mother appearing to her was that it's spirits pretending to be her mother to try to take possession of her, because her mother really did commit suicide, right? Like that she's been sort of insisting that it was an accidental death, but it seems yes. pretty clear that her mother. It's committed made suicide. clear, even though the movie does like a, or is it? But I think yeah. that is more like the exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, and the. I don't know. It just, it felt weird. Like I was sort of like, so, but there are ghosts, but her mother isn't among them. Like I was just sort of like, so this is a different ghost, which is, could be really cool, creepy, like turnaround moment. Like, Oh shit, that's not her mother. But the movie's so ambiguous about it to, to from the jump. And it seems so obvious that that could be the case. And she seems so unwilling to, to consider that possibility that it becomes confusing to me. You is know, it, like, is it just, I'm just, I think I'm stuck on like the base 
kind of dumbness of it where I'm like, is the movie just do- be saying like cycles of uh, uh, cycles perpetuate? And like, if your mother commits suicide, maybe you will too. Like, is it that base and like kind of I, I, lame yeah, well, think, of an ending? I think that's part of it is that the movie doesn't really have anything to say about this stuff, which is fine. I mean, like, you know, grief stricken people doing crazy things has been a but part like, of horror for years. You know, it's not yeah. like just a post hereditary thing, certainly. So it's, I think that's fine, but I do think the movie kind of reveals a lack of real insight into any of this stuff. And it mostly uses it for tricks. I mean, there's a bit with her father, a very, you know, effective... I like that trick. Yeah, no, I, I like the ending a, of it, not the, the way it happened, it is, like, it as is I said, Angela. It, it's yeah. a good trick. Like, it works. It's scary. And it's like, oh, no. You know, the, 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 yeah, it, if, it, if you're it gives, watching... Sorry, if you're listening, you don't know what we're talking about. It's the 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 Edge Lord thing that I wrote. Does it offend you? Yeah, is the moment where she stabs her own dad, and yeah. you think he's dead, and yeah. then the big reveal is when spoiler alert, she's dead at the end. Is that she sees him alive, and you yes. know he's alive because yes. she's she's in the dead world. Yeah, and that was a nice touch. Go on. Yeah, sorry. no, it's, I was just gonna say like the, that that stuff is used as sort of a trick, and it's it's effective, and like uh, it's. Uh, un- unsettling and and kind of scary and spooky, but doesn't really like. But then, do you leave that scene with a clear idea of like what her su- what her mom's suicide was about, or what kind of dynamic she has with her father that leads her to be susceptible to thinking that her father is covering something up? I mean, like this is just no. It's it it, it's, it was just horror. Be, it horror yeah. movie gobbledygook. Yeah, I felt exactly. like I felt like it was just like. She doesn't believe her dad because the movie needs her to have attention for a second. Like, and it didn't feel real. And that's no, why I'm confused no. yeah. by it. And I'm conf- like, again, I love where it ends with the button and like it sets up an interesting world maybe. And I, 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 I like the implication of the ending more than the actual ending, I guess, because I just don't understand even aside from the, the mother's suicide and that stuff and what that pretends and what it means. Like the rules of the talk to me-ness and Riley being possessed. Like, yeah. Why do you think her killing herself rid him of the thing? I yeah I I wasn't I think in the moment I probably could have given you a like oh I think they're saying this does this but yeah I don't I think uh, I'm not I think it was the demons were trying to trick her and she figured out that like she was the reason is it because she caused it for Riley and or something that she needed to do it like I feel like I also had an answer after I saw it and wrote a bunch of shit down and now I'm like thinking about it like. Why did she? Why did that solve everything? Right, right. I, I, and I, yeah, I was not, I was not sure about that either. Like, because they talk about needing to get the candle back and blow it out. You know, that's why I mean. they like introduce all these like rules that don't. Say, and again, I love, I, I, I'm, you know, maybe it's hypocritical because I love it follows, which has that kind of stuff in it, where it's like something I've definitely you, complained about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, <laughs> we complain right. about that. Um, so good company. Uh, but. I, I don't mind and it follows when they sort of like concoct a plan based on what they hope or assume will will work and it do, does or does not work. It's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, I um, mean the the rule's not working because like they shouldn't work. It's uh, fucking spirit realm horrors behind hum- beyond human comprehension. Yes, there yes. shouldn't be rules. Like I yes. agree that like that's actually a fun fun thing too. I think that sending up the idea that the rules don't work is good. I just don't think the movie does a great enough job. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, in this case, the, the, the rules are kind of just like uh, you learn them in in kind of a jumble and then no one, no one in the movie ever goes, Hey, is this true? Like how, where do you know, 
that it's done with dealt with in such a cursory way that I just didn't find it. Yeah, I just kind of didn't buy into it. Like that these that these people would react this way to these things or would instinctively decide we have to do this in order to save this. But you know, and that's why I it's think why like, the movie... did they just need a soul? So instead of killing Riley, she killed herself, and that solved it. It seems too. Everything I think of seems too simple. It does. And I want to like, think the movie's smarter, but I don't know if it is. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff where like she has a vision of him being like consumed by these demons in this really hor- horrific, very insidious style. Yes. Oh, the re- the real soul is being is in this kind Christine of Christine Bound world. being dragged to hell forever, like that yes. moment. And, and you don't even you yeah. never even know if you never really find out if that's actually what's happening to him or not. You know, like you, yeah. You, like if that's a vision that they're using to try to scare her into doing something, or if that's literally where he goes when he's unconscious. And again, that sounds like I'm being very literal minded and demanding like, oh, you never, you never, that was not explained enough. But I feel like the movie's just tossing some of these things out for the sake of crazy imagery, not really to get any kind of specific reaction or, or thematic resonance going. Oh, uh, also, yeah. I did, I laughed out loud and nobody else did at the moment where they go, they just break another rule break where it's been talked to me the whole time. And then like, because the guy's out, the guy's unconscious and they want him to do it. They go talk to him. Yeah. yeah I went, suddenly you ha! can sink a ghost on someone. Yeah. I'm like, uh, no, okay. Yeah. That works too. Just talk yeah. to him. You yeah. can do it to somebody else uh, without their knowledge. It'll, exactly. it'll, it'll work. It'll and I work. think the movie could have more fun with that stuff or if they were kind of playing with the, with the, how d- clueless these kids ultimately are. And that could, you know, be informed uh, thematically because like they are playing with things they don't understand but the movie never really comes back around and kind of like makes any has any fun with that the idea that they are just you know yeah we just heard it from some dirtbag and he explained the rules to you of course it wouldn't work like but yes. like the movie doesn't really play around with that it kind of treats it with a pretty deadly seriousness uh, which is fine. I mean, like, I, absolutely coming down hard in this movie that has a lot of good moments and, and creepy stuff in it. It just like I, I do. It does feel a little haphazard. Like this. Uh, this is very prejudicial. But when I heard these guys were YouTubers, I was like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> like, Ooh, you know, ultimate like, burn. This doesn't feel like someone who's really steeped in like narratives that make sense. It feels like someone who is like very aware of other movies and is like you know, has some cool ideas, but I just don't like, I, I it, to me, it's not surprising that this movie written by written and directed by a couple of uh, like kind of, you know, white, white dudes from YouTube doesn't make the greatest like, stab at having a black female protagonist and having that inform the narrative in any way, you know, like I'm sure they have hearts in the right, but I'm not saying like they're racist or anything like that. I just mean like, they just seem a little, more interested in the effect than the than the actual mechanics of it. You know what I mean? I just like totally. I just kind of I was kind of like I'm not particularly looking forward to this the next movie these guys do because I think it could be awful. I mean, it could. Oh. They also they could get way better. I mean, they could you know they could be you know learn a lot. They're gonna listen to the and, new Flesh podcast and take notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can learn a lot from us, the fans. Early, I don't mean to, that's the worst. But like just so, like Gran Turismo, the audience can shape the experience. Yeah, that's right. The we audience can shape. The- the yeah. future of the the <laughs> Filippo brothers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They may well, you know, this they may well level up and get even, you know. In They're making the... a Street Fighter movie next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are they really? Okay. Yes. Well. Okay. Fine. Sure. Okay, um, I'm back in. That's what you. That's, well, that's like, what you I, sound I, like. I mean, sort. I, I I do like Street Fighter, but like, <laughs> sure. This is this does feel like a calling card movie you would make to then adapt some shitty video game movie. You know, like <laughs> it doesn't feel like this was torn from their. I'm just, I'm just now. I'm just ripping on these people. Really? Yeah, this really uh, took a turn in the last few minutes. <laughs> um, I, I still just... am positive on it, even though I have tons of notes, I guess, yeah. too. But, like, 
I think, as I said, it's that visceral, upsetting experience more so than a horror movie. And I think that's tricking a lot of people into being like, it's the scariest movie of the year. I'm like, no, it's the most, ups- it's the one that's upset you the most. And yeah. you, th- and like, maybe that's the same as being scared, but I think there's a, di- there's a distinction yes, and I want to make it too. clear. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful distinction to make. Actually. I think that crystallized, you said better than I, when I was first trying to figure out why I didn't like this movie. I think you're, I didn't, I was trying to land on that. Well, that'll really, never happen again. Yeah. I'm going to savor this. <laughs> you really nailed it. It's, it's, it's upsetting, which is an effect, but like, that's not necessarily the same as being scared. And yeah, I'm just repeating what you said, but I, I agree. I agree. That's, no, it's a brilliant point. You should, yeah. you should restate <laughs> yeah. it. Repeat yeah, it constantly. Good. Yeah. I think that is why it didn't really land for me is that it ultimately, it didn't really feel like I was being drawn into like a deep seated fear I think I felt like I was just sort of being, you know, jerked around with some shock. It's shocking, it has, which is, there's a place for that. I just didn't vibe with it. I love the prop. I think it's a great I I think it's it such a fun premise that I hope yeah. they so maybe new like other filmmakers take on this world and do it. I think this premise is ripe for talk uh, to me with a numeral two. Yeah. Of course. Oh, <laughs> done. Easy. That's already <laughs> happening. Uh, I bet these guys come back and do exactly that. Talk to me with them. Or talk to him because <laughs> yes, because they need to possible. switch it up. Yeah. Um, has A twenty four sequelized anything ever? I that's a good question. I don't think they. I want to say they haven't. I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting because who doesn't? It's gonna be like Denzel sequel. where they pick one and then do yeah. like three or three or four. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be the equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. This is their have, equalizer. I'm calling. Yeah. I don't, oh, you know what? They have done one uh, and they've done two, and they're both they're both spooky. Oh, is souvenir two, souvenir part two, and a trilogy that we're forgetting to like my one of my favorite movies of the last year. So I'm dumb that I'm not thinking about it. Uh, X, Pearl, and Maxine are oh my god, yeah. But but those feel like that both that cost and the souvenir. less than one movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, those and the souvenir together kind of feel like well, those are kind of the yeah. exceptions that prove the rule. Like yes, you do the yes. souvenir. There's been three souvenir verse movies, but like who would ever you know? It's not like yeah. a horror franchise. And even even X and Pearl, it's like something that they the filmmakers you know kind of slipped in there and now they're they're finishing it off with maxine did you know if that by the way this is completely a tangent but do you know if that finished filming this is like such selfish i know i want the strike to be over because i want people to get a fair deal deal i also want to fucking see maxine <laughs> so i have no idea if it finished. i really I hope they finish filming it because i would like it to come out uh you know what they're they're later. a24 though i bet they got a waiver oh I that's right they could... they're yeah they, they could make they could make sure that they i think we will anyway. see maxine when we were supposed to okay hopefully fantastic don't worry it's okay yeah. <laughs> um all right i think this was one our best episode in a long time i feel like now we have to do all our episodes late on monday morning because yeah. i'm i'm fucking <laughs> we're firing on all cylinders yeah um I'll just, go to, I'll just go away for vacation every week and, and i'll go see not, fish every sunday yeah. night <laughs> <laughs> horrifying fate um all right thanks for listening check out the patreon for the oppie episode which is true they did call him that uh, historically <laughs> accurate that he was called oppie uh oppenheimer there uh wednesday barbie's there now next week i guess we're talking about the meg 2 yeah i think it's just called meg 2 the trench yes and they moved the the instead of removing the the they just moved it move the the they can only have cleaner (laughs) yeah you can only have one the per title now it's totally fair uh we're talking to you rise of the planet of the apes (laughs) and all those fucking movies all right uh this was a two-hour episode God bless. Goodbye.
lifestyle. Stay around to watch. I just can't cope with the freaky stuff. <laughs>